Hello everyone, this is Jared Albrecht, the Yard Sale Artist, welcoming you to a Long Box Crusade Elseworlds episode. a Long Box Crusade Elseworlds, you might ask? Well, some of your favorite Long Box Crusade members have done some work over on some other podcast networks that you may or may not be familiar with. So from time to time, we will grab a show from the past that one or all of us has done on one of those other networks, and we'll play it for you here. Whether it's a James Bond rookie agent show from On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast Network, or a Comics with Normies from White Rocket Entertainment Network, or some other bit of alternate dimension craziness, we hope that you enjoy this presentation of Longbox Crusade Elseworlds. Hello and welcome back to On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, brought to you by our fine Patreon sponsors and White Rocket Entertainment. I'm your host for this program, Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, a.k.a. Death Probe. And joining me as veteran Bondophile co-host is my brother Jason, the Weasel Skull Albrecht. Jason, welcome back as we round out the Eon James Bond films. I can't believe we've been doing this for two years now. Jason, what's the most Bond-like thing you've done since last recording? I'd say the most Bond-like thing that I've done since the last recording is I've got my kilt reservation for our trip to Scotland Mm. in March of next year. (laughs) It's Uh, true. Yes, that's right. That was my best (laughs) chat. Yeah. And I am currently going to the gym like Bond did in Skyfall, hitting that treadmill with the oxygen mask, doing those massive pull-ups and everything. You should try that one that stretches your back. (laughs) From Thunderball. (laughs) Yeah, that's classic right there. But no, I want to make sure that I look uh, less like Fat Bastard and more like George Lazenby when I get there. So I get that kilt on. So that's that's my mission right now. Nice. All right. Well, we'll see. Are you talking George Lazenby now or George Lazenby from the movie? Yes. (laughs) We'll take what we can get. Whatever we can get. (laughs) He's looking pretty good, man. I don't know. I I subscribe to the George Lazenby feed on my Twitter, and he's quite entertaining uh, chap there. Mm -hmm. Or bloke, I guess. Right? Yeah, he's from Down Under. Well, nobody asked me, but I'm going to tell you what Bond-like thing I've done. We don't really care. Let's get on with the show. (laughs) I think you'll be amused to hear about it for a second or possibly third time. Okay. You know in the Bond movies where sometimes like he sneaks around and maybe puts some sort of a listening device down and spies on people? Well, I Mm -hmm. recently went up into my attic to run wires for my (laughs) computer network in my house. So I felt like James Bond crawling around, putting wires down for communications. and Go on. I hurt myself, hurt my hips. <laughs> I uh, banged my head on a few two by fours. It's maybe, a young maybe. man's game. It's a young man's <laughs> game. Have you, have you tried that thing that stretches you out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jason turned it all the way up and left me there. Oh, and I was like, yeah. help! Help! <laughs> help! <laughs> Don't worry, I'll tell the chef. <laughs> Like you gotta realize as well, Jared, the two by fours aren't for hitting your head on. You're supposed to swing from them and do the double butt kick. Double butt kick to doom. <laughs> which spoiler alert, I believe we're gonna talk about. Uh, yeah, yeah that <laughs> double leg kick of doom is coming up tonight. It's gonna be brought up. So excited. Let me just get going here. This episode is the twenty fourth people and final eon we are never doing another one again never again (laughs) never never or never Never again 
never say never, Jason. All right, spoiler alert, everybody. We are going to do one more. We're going to do Never Say Never Again for the rookies. And then after that, we're going to have the graduation episode, which is going to be chock full of awesome fun. So you're not going to miss that as Pat and Delvin get promoted to full agent. But anyway, it's got spikes on it. (laughs) It's a different show. This here is MI6 Rookie Agents on Rookie Agents. Jason and I are taking our two friends, Delvin and Pat, through the James Bond universe one film at a time. We are just about done. The whole hook of the show is we get a newcomer's point of view. Plenty of Bond podcasts can give you that deep, introspective look into Bond, but we're doing the silly stuff and having some fun, and we're getting the newcomer's point of view, which makes it fun here. So let's get our Rookie Agents welcomed to the show, and we will start with Delvin, the Dark Web, Felix Leiter, Pop Pop Hiss, Hot Thing... Silver hands. You know, I'm more interested to see what you've done in the Bond world since last recording, but I'm also hoping for a Felix Leiter update. I don't really have much of a Felix Leiter update. The studio came to me and they wanted me to do another movie. And I kind of just looked at them and I was like, barrel's empty. And I walked away. (laughs) For about six months and then they put put the money out. Us back in. Then <laughs> I have better things to do. What I did. Mm. Okay. That, that, that's funny because it relates to this movie. Somebody's playing hard to get. <laughs> <laughs> or somebody somebody didn't come up with a joke. <laughs> Either you got the joke or you don't have the joke. Oh my goodness. All right, Pat, welcome back to the show. It's Pat Samson, aka DJ Christatos. Pat, what's the most bond like thing you've done since well, last recording? Uh, in honor of Gary Moneypenny, mm-hmm. ah. makes an appearance in this movie. Yeah, a little yeah. Gary Moneypenny in the background. Yeah, I'm going to jump to Countdown Jerry from Gary Moneypenny. Uh huh. Starting to think back as we hit 24 right now, I'm counting back the times that I had and have been watching all these James Bond movies up to 24. Okay, and I can't so believe like, it. You're thinking back on the 23rd yeah, one. Yeah, I'm slowly counting then down. 22. Know. Yep. 21. 21. <laughs> 20. This might be and counting. Nice. <laughs> and counting. I think the one thing that this show has added to the Bond universe is the two characters of Gary mm-hmm. Moneypenny. I think we have. And Countdown Jerry. Countdown Jerry and Gary Moneypenny are forever inscribed in mm-hmm. 007 lore at this point. At some point, I'm going to have to write a comic book about these yeah. two characters. And that would be cool about it is you could have Gary Moneypenny, who's maybe got a little spiness in him for you know spying on Moneypenny, but then you have Countdown Jerry, who is on the bad guy side, and all of a sudden they could get together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's more... thought this out, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, with that, whatever that was, we're planning on releasing the show monthly, kind of, we're almost done. As a companion to the show that Ben Allen Plexico and Alan Porter are doing, they're going one film per month, and we're all building towards the release date of Bond 25, which is going to be in April, I believe, of 2020. So we'll probably do a show after that one comes out and everybody's had a chance to see it and talk about it, and that'll be fun. But like I said, this is all about getting the fresh take from the newcomers, so if you want that in-depth and academic look in the series, stay tuned to our channel here and check out Van and Allen's show. And when you're done with that, you want some silliness, some tomfoolery, and a new point of view, come back and see us over here. Let's get on with tonight's film, which is Spectre. But before we get our mission brief from Agent Jason, he's going to jump right into the action with no parachute in our segment called What Makes You Say That? I'm now aiming precisely at your groin. It says speak over a hold your peace. 
Let me tell you guys at home how this works. I'm going to give Jason a line from this episode's feature film of Spectre, and Jason's going to rewind the film in his head and tell us what line came before it. Now, I know that this is the most recent one, and you've seen it probably the fewest amount of times, so I try to be a little easier on you with the lines i hope so i, th- I think i might struggle with this one he's got this <laughs> i believe in him too jason what would you say came before this line okay well it's all a matter of perspective i don't remember i don't look excited back there i want to see what delvin has to say delvin what do you have to say i did a reviewing and this was the villain does the whole thing of walking him through and blofeld asked bond what was he there for and yes. Bond said he was there to kill him. Mm. And then Blofeld said the line that Jared's looking for. <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay. Is it in the base? Yes. We've gotten past that. I've already said that. Yeah. Yeah. Elvin has right the line. Line. You may find that difficult or. He says, well, you know, I came here to kill you. Uh-huh. And then Blofeld says, and I thought you came here to die. To die. <laughs> Okay. Bond says, well, it's all a matter of perspective. Yeah, yeah. No, these are not. Not landing. Yeah, not landing with me. Good job, Delvin, by the way. You got right right to it. Thanks, Delvin. The student has become the master. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's try just one more. All right. Here we go. I'm not going to give you any hints, except I'm going to try to do another Daniel Craig impression. Wink. I can think of worse ways to go. Oh, this was the scene with Monica Bellucci. Correct. She says something to the effect of they'll kill you for getting something like they'll kill you for getting close to me or something or You're close. They're Delvin looks out. excited. They were making out. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, they'll kill you for this. And or, I cannot blame him because 50 year old Monica <laughs> Bellucci is just still so yeah. bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's funny how this is the one scene I remember. <laughs> <laughs> What'd she say? Yeah. I'll tell you what she said. Go for it. She said, I'll give you first half, you finish up second half. If you don't leave now, we'll kill this boat. You're close. We'll die together. We'll die together. Okay. If you don't leave now, we'll die together. I can think of worse ways to go. Yeah, this is uh, not one of my favorite Bonds, not one that I've watched a whole lot of times. So. Not even been around long enough to watch a whole lot of times. Nah. You have nothing to feel bad for except for the Moonraker episode. But Yeah, the Moonraker <laughs> episode is kind of unforgivable. I've watched that one about a million times. I don't know how I got started. I that shouldn't one. have even brought it up. It's going to be hanging over his head all night. <laughs> all right. But I am impressed with Delvin, man. Delvin yeah. jumped in there. He knew right where to go. I think he's he's ready to take over from here on out. <laughs> oh, not so he's, he's one movie and a couple of challenges away from being a full agent. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, my. Delvin will be the new 007, and I'll be 009 just kind of waiting in the wings. <laughs> <laughs> you pick him up at the airport. You drop him off at the airport. Mm-hmm. That's a nice car you're getting. Shame if I stole it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's one of my favorite parts me and gary bit. just hanging out <laughs> gary just like <laughs> laughing and having a good time and <laughs> until james comes up and then everybody's like mm. <laughs> wait till he goes to security wait till they find out what i put in his <laughs> <laughs> well with that dismal failure but you know it's the most recent film <laughs> Agent Jason, give us a quick mission briefing on Spectra. That's just how I like to pronounce it. Spectra? Spectra. You had no authority. None. Mexico City. What were you doing there? 
I was taking some overdue holiday. So what's going on, James? They say you're finished. What do you think? I think you're just getting started. Magnificent, isn't she? Zero to 60 in 3.2 seconds. A few little tricks up her sleeve. Do one more thing for me. What do you have in mind? Make me disappear. Tell me where he is. He's everywhere. You should go there. You're crossing over to a place where there is no mercy. You're protecting someone. Get away from me! Why should I trust you? Because right now, I'm your best chance of staying alive. This organization, do you know what it's called? Its name is Spectre. And do you know who links them all? Me. Welcome, James. You came across me so many times, yet you never saw me. What took you so long? Is this really what you want? Living in the shadows? Hunting? Being hunted? Always alone? I don't stop to think about it. It was me, James. The author of all your pain. Quick mission briefing. I don't know if that's possible, but here we go. We'll try. Hang on. One, two, three, four. Am I counting six paragraphs? You've had the chance to do this 23 times. This one is not my fault, but here we go. So the film opens with Bond in Mexico City during the Day of the Dead. What is he doing there? I'll give you a hint. He's going something that starts with an R and ends with an OG. In the pre-title sequence, he stops a terrorist attempt to blow up a stadium and assassinate. Is it rogue? rogue. Yes, he's going rogue. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh, I had Vogue. (laughs) (laughs) In the pre-title sequence, he stops a terrorist attempt to blow up a stadium and assassinates the man behind the plot. Returning to a displeased M who is being threatened by a new and powerful Nine Eyes intelligence agency to shut down the double O's, Bond is relieved of active status. How often has Craig been on active status anyway during these movies? But anyway, so sharing a secret mission left to him from beyond the grave by the previous M with Money Penny, he enlists her aid in his off-the-books mission. Rogue, rogue, rogue. Also aiding him is Millennial Q, who injects him with smart blood that does the same thing as we saw in Casino Royale and a watch that does the same thing as we saw in Moonrake. Following the breadcrumbs to Rome, Bond stops an assassination attempt on the widow of the man he murdered, bangs her, and finds out that her husband was a member of a secret organization called Spectre. Infiltrating their meeting, Bond learns that the headman, Mr. Oberhauser, is linked to his past. 
Barely escaping with his life, 007 learns from Q that his old friend, Mr. White, is tied to the organization. Tracking White to a remote cabin in the Austrian wilderness, Bond finds to a surprise that White is dying from radioactive material placed in his cell phone. White provides a clue to the location of Oberhauser through his estranged daughter. So by now, Jared is rolling his eyes because this is longer than two minutes. But this plot is needlessly complicated. 007 rescues White's daughter, Madeline Swan, from the clutches of Oberhauser's men, and the two travel to Tangier. Madeline leads them through the final clues, and they find Oberhauser's secret base in the middle of the desert. Captured by Oberhauser's forces, Bond learns two secrets. Secret number one, Nine Eyes is a specter plot. Two, Oberhauser is in reality Ernst Stavro Blofeld. And continuing the Craig era of big reveals, these are surprises to no one. Bond and Swan manage to escape and destroy the base with a single bullet, I'm not kidding, and that's the end of the story. Or it should be, but no. Now we go back to London where M joins our merry band. Bond is kidnapped and... All right, you know what? Let's just say the good guys win. Bond drives off a swan, and this turd of a third act mercifully comes to an end. Once again, directed by Sam Mendes, this movie made a crap ton of money. It grossed more than $200 million in the U.S. and $800 million worldwide. It starred Daniel Craig as James Bond, Christoph Waltz as Blofeld, Leah Seydoux as Madeline Swan, Naomi Harris as Moneypenny, Ray Fiennes as Gareth Mallory, Monica Bellucci as Lucia, and Ben Wishaw as Y. As in, why is he in these movies? Back to you, Jared. So, Jason, well, you liked this one, didn't you? Jason's I did not very much. <laughs> tipping some cards there. That was. Yes. Uh, thank you for that brief summary. Whew, let's all take a breather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just had to drop that whole third act. If anybody stayed with it, good for you. Good for you. <laughs> Got bitter Jason tonight. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. Back to you. Well, I guess we'll find out what our rookie agents thought about this one in our segment called Declassified. Do you expect me to talk? All right. We're going to break this movie into a few pieces, get the insights of our rookie agents. And then at the end, Agent Jason is going to give us some overall insights. Well, actually, I hope he doesn't because he kind of did that in summary. <laughs> I think we've already heard him. Yeah. I think we got it. We'll stick with his bomb bombs of trivia. And then he'll take Agent Delvin and Agent Pat to the scoring round. And we're going to break this review up into a few sections. We're going to talk about pre-title sequence and then the song in the opening credits. And then Jared's choice where I pick something I think to stand out from this film to get the rookies opinions on. And then we'll get their overall opinions on this film. So I promise you we'd start with pre-title sequence. What'd you guys think? And you know what, Pat? We'll start with you tonight just because I feel bad for you because you've lost so many trivia rounds. Mm. That's okay. You know, I've gotten used to it. You never know when I'm going to go rogue. So yeah, no, that's a, it's a good skill to have because then like, it's like if you practice getting tortured a lot, it's harder yeah. to torture. You. It's actually all been part of my plan for these last four episodes with the Craig version. What mm-hmm. Delvin doesn't know is I'm your brother. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, oh, a my reveal God. in the first act. Cuckoo, <laughs> Delvin. Cuckoo. Cuckoo. <laughs> <laughs> No, for the opening sequence, I really enjoyed this one. At first, I thought it was like, oh, it's kind of a callback to Live and Let Die in the beginning with the Day of the Dead. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And you got to see a little bit different. But what I really liked about this is where you see him go and he's walking the top of that building and just Mm -hmm. that 
the, the camera view and all that. Walk, yeah. yeah, and he's just yeah, he's like the cock of the walk. He's walking, he's walking. Cock of the walk, baby, cock of the walk. I saw that and I'm like, wow, this is really cool shot. Did you see him? Mm-hmm. And it's a maze that he does and he hops and he jumps and he skips just to get to where he's going. I'm like, wow. I would be freaking out. <laughs> I would not have left the room with that girl. <laughs> What's that sound? I think a stadium just blew up. I think a stadium blew up. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I got to throw in a little bit of jazzy real quick. Well, there's a little cheat going on there. It's not truly a one camera shot, but it's done as a one camera shot all the way from the street. And they get in the elevator. They go up to the room. He goes out to the yeah. walk part you're talking about. That elevator they got in, same one from License to Kill. Oh, okay. All right, and I'm going to jump on there, too, because I've seen that elevator, been in that building. Ooh. Because, yeah, after seeing Spectre, I got the idea, like, I need to go see this Day of the Dead parade, right? So I went and kind of checked out where they filmed all the things. I went to the Zocalo where they did the, the helicopter scene. They had the Day of the Dead parade going on at that time. So I went out there and I was talking to people. I was like, oh, yeah, man, I've seen this in Spectre. So I, I wanted to come see it in real life. And the guy told me, this is the first one. We're doing this because of the movie Spectre. <laughs> this isn't something we normally do. I went to the very first Day of the Dead parade that was oh. influenced by the movie Spectre. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. cool. It's crowded as hell, man. There's no way there was a chase through that. But it was a lot of fun. Back on topic. Pat dug the whole one, one shot, go to the balcony, walk with confidence, shoot the mm-hmm. gun, pop, pop, hiss. Yep. Delve it. Miranda was watching the movie with me at this time, and she made a very similar comment to what Pat did when he goes out of the window and walks on the ledge, and he just has that ridiculously confident walk about it. She was like, nope, I couldn't have done that. And I didn't say it, but nope, I couldn't have done it either. But it also brought into mind, I saw Daniel Craig on an award show, maybe last year or something, can't remember what. And no matter what people say about Daniel Craig's James Bond, whether they like it, whether they don't, the man has the walk. Mm-hmm. There is simply no questioning that. Just that confidence of, I own the room, even if that room is outdoors. That's what he conveyed there, and it was very well done. I thought the helicopter scene was good. I wouldn't say it had a, the whole thing had a classic feel to it, but if it did have somewhat of a classic feel to it, it was that it didn't last super long. It just immediately went into advancing the plot point. I kind of like that because some of the pre-credit scenes have run long recently Mm. in the movies. And I kind of like that this one was very quickly in and out. I like that. Yeah, it was really lean. Cristados? I was just going to agree with Delvin, too. Yeah, that was something I noticed that it went by pretty quick told the story that it needed to tell and get you right into this action to get us going for this adventure for Bond. I can't take my eyes off of those. And let me finish my sentence, boys. I can't take my eyes off those women that have the dress that comes perfectly to the ground and it just looks like they're gliding. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wherever they go. Yeah. It's like, that's amazing. In the parade. Yeah. That's cool how they do that. (laughs) (laughs) The whole thing was a very cool scene. The Mm -hmm. whole Day of the Dead. That was well done. And I was pretty sure that it was Daniel Craig behind the mask. You didn't know it until he removed it. And so that was kind of cool because, you know, he could have been in a crowd with anyone. Not that that played a factor into the scene necessarily, but it definitely made the scene cool. What's fun about that, too, is if you go back on it for a rewatch, the first time you're just kind of absorbing what's going on. And then at Mm -hmm. some point you realize, oh, we're following this guy in skeleton mask. When you watch the rewatch, you spot him. A yeah. lot sooner. You're like, oh, there he is. There he is. Yeah. Once, you wait for the camera to catch up to him. Once you kind of saw the back of his head, 
you're like, okay, that kind of looks like Craig's tight haircut in the back and all that. When I saw it, once I started watching, I'm like, oh, that could be him. Or we could be, you know, following a bad guy doing something. I didn't, I wasn't really sh- quite sure at the moment until I kind of got the back shot of his head. And then I'm like, okay, I think it's Craig, but we'll find out. I like how they opened it too. Just that drum beat when that just has the right. dead come to life. And mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. it goes right in there. And then it's like, of course, it's kind of tied into the kind of central plot of the mm-hmm. movie too. So I thought that was pretty clever. What about the title song and the title credits? What do you guys think of that? We'll start with Pat this time. Well, we'll go into the credits scene. Eh, it was all right. I, I'll tip my cap too. I'm not really hip on the song. So listening to the song and watching the title sequence, eh, I'm just meh. I was more interested. I'm like, okay, let's just get to the movie here. You had me at this awesome beginning. Get me into the movie. <laughs> Let's go. <Yeah. laughs> Let's go. What about you, Delvin? What were your thoughts about the song and the title credits? As far as the credits go, it was an interesting beginning in that everything was in gold. It felt throwback. And maybe they did that for a reason. I'm, I'm not sure. Because they didn't do all of James Bond history, but they did intersperse a lot of Daniel Craig's James Bond history mm-hmm. throughout the credits. You get the feeling that maybe this was supposed to be Daniel Craig's last movie. And that's even from the pre credit scene. This was kind of a retrospective. That's a good word. Of yeah. Daniel Craig's Bond. And so I thought that was interesting. And I liked the use of the Spectre octopus that was used throughout the credits as well. As for the song, the song fit the movie and the song fit the credits. And I don't have a problem with that. And it's a ballad. And I like ballads, especially if you are going to put your all into it. Because if you remember when Adele had Skyfall, which was mega popular, I did like it, but she never went all out. It was almost like she just coasted. I know a little bit about the history because at this point, movie number 24, Pat and I are less rookie than at least somewhat seasoned people now. So I have heard talk and some of the people that I follow on Twitter and everyone wanted Radiohead to do the song Spectre. Mm, They did a song. Instead of the Sam Smith song, Writing on the Wall, they wanted the song Spectre instead. So I went and listened to it. I went and listened to the Spectre song. Do I think it would have fit better? Not necessarily. I don't especially given the whole theme of the movie, the Sam Smith song fit better. And I like the song. I know that a lot of people don't, but I like it. I thought that, I don't know if it was rushed or not. I didn't feel like it. And it feels like Sam Smith actually cared about the song enough to give it his very best. And I appreciated that. I kind of have mixed feelings about it as well. I mean, there's parts of it I like. I like the brass, the horns, the instrumental part of the song. I thought that was a really nice kind of throwback to the classic Bond era, like going back almost, well, not almost, back to the Conneries. And so I like that element of it. The Sam Smith, the vocals, to me, there's just something that was disjointing about the vocals and the instruments. And it's not that he's a bad singer. Mm -hmm. I mean... He's impressed me, man. I, I could I could crush my nuts and not get my voice that high, man. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, hats off to him. I mean, he's mega talented, but it just seems something that was disjointed between the instruments and the vocals. That was just my take. I don't know, Jared. Do you have any thoughts on that? I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Huh, okay. <laughs> I'm getting the sense that you didn't like the song. I don't care for this song. It's my least favorite Bond song by a mile. And I am lumping in Never Say Never Again, Casino Royale 67, probably the background music from the Climax TV show. <laughs> this is my <laughs> least favorite Bond song. I will give you the props. I do like the orchestrated parts of it a lot. I just, it did not land with me. Just even the songs that I hear from the Bond franchise that sometimes I initially am like, nah, they grow on me over time. This one has not. That's all I can huh. say. I agree with you. I think Sam Smith is talented. I've heard some of his other non-Bond songs. I'm like, talented cat. I just don't like his fit here. It's kind of hard for me to explain as well, but yeah. And I thought that the credits, though, artistically, the credits were very good. Mm -hmm. Like Delvin was saying, it's a good retrospective of the Craig movies. And I think Delvin was also correct. I think contractually, this was going to be his last one. You know, for a while, he said it was going to be his last one. But for whatever reason, he's back again for another one. And I'm kind of glad he is. Oh, there are a lot of reasons. Millions Millions of reasons. A whole lot of reasons. <laughs> Hundreds of millions of reasons. Oh, I also do want to say that I really do like the Radiohead song. And, and listeners out there, maybe you're the last one to know. Somebody out there did a brilliant job of taking the Radiohead Spectre song and making the Empire Strikes Back opening credits as if it was a James Bond movie using the Radiohead song Spectre. I know there's a lot of pieces in there, but put it together. You had they take the Spectre song, they make opening credits of Empire Strikes Back as if it were a Bond movie, and it's flipping incredible. Go find huh. it on the internet, people. All right. After you listen to this. After you listen to this. <laughs> All right, Pat, take it away. All right. Well, thank you, Jason. Now that we talked about the song by Sam Smith, The Writings on the Wall, let's go ahead and see how we would rate that. And I think we've kind of heard a little bit from everybody. So <laughs> let's see where the numbers may fall. The scale is a one through seven, just like we rate the movie. We're going to rate the song. One is you hated it. And seven is you loved it. It shook your, it didn't stir your martini. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Episode 24. (laughs) It's one to seven, people. It's one to seven, yes. Seven's the best, one's the worst. Two through six or somewhere (laughs) in the middle. And let's go ahead and find out how, Delvin, what's your rating for this song i think you should start with me because it's gonna go downhill from here i get the feeling i'm setting the level at five here i do like the song i do like the ballads i do like sam smith's voice and i don't have to be married to the rest of the bond <laughs> on the song you're your uh, own man you're your I own man am. I am for certain. And I have been on text conversations with Jared and another uh, mutual friend of ours, Ezra. And Jared and Ezra both have the uh, same feeling about the song. I distinctly remember that. And and I was kind of sitting there like, I like this. (laughs) (laughs) That's the beauty of rookie agents, man. And that's the beauty of rookie agents. We can pass it off to whomever. Let's go to Pat. Well, thank you, Delvin. I'm glad you asked. I am going to not be as high as you. um, And I'm also going to agree with Jason. When he said about the voice, when I was listening back, I had it in my earbuds as I was watching it. And I'm like, okay, that's what I was thinking when I was hearing the credit song about the voice. And I'm like, just the music's good, but it just doesn't. You know, it's not the peanut butter and jelly that I like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to go with the three on this song. I may, I may need to hear it more often, too. My taste in music has changed over the years. So was it out there? Did it get a lot of airplay when this came out? I don't know. Nor have I gone to go look it up either. But <laughs> <laughs> Quality programming, everyone. <laughs> 
<laughs> you don't so, expect a lot of effort from this show. No, no don't. I, I set the bar low, so then I, and I get close to it, raise it just a, one more notch. But anyway, <laughs> let's go ahead and see. Jason, what are you going to rate it? When I first listened to it, I was kind of concerned that I might be linking the song to the movie. You know, like sometimes we, mm-hmm. the movies that we really like, for whatever reason, we give that song a little bit of a bump. Boost, yeah. 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 You plus and, it, Jared. You plus it. <laughs> you plus it. And yeah. this one, I minused it because I was afraid I minused it because I didn't care for the movie that much. It was pretty haphazard put together. Not a whole lot of remarkable moments in the film overall. And so I thought, well, I'm going to just listen to the music. I'm going to watch the opening credits. And while I said, you know what? I paid more attention to the opening credits and I liked that a lot more. I didn't move much on the song. I like, I really want to give this a fair shake, but again, it just doesn't seem like it meshes up. So at the end of the day, I'm going to land with DJ Cristados and say three. I'll give it a three. Jared. I'm a boat anchor the crap out of this. (laughs) I don't like the song. If you had asked me before we did this, episode before watching rewatching specter for this episode i would have said a one and i just flat out do not like it like you jason spilled your martini yes like first it stirred it then it knocked it over <laughs> spilled it onto my tuck yeah this is not an olive this is a rock <laughs> you know <laughs> No, but I did the same thing you did, Jason. I really listened and I really like the orchestrated music behind it. So I'm going to bump it up to a generous two. <laughs> Strictly wow, because of the orchestrated music. I just do. It's Tis the season, I guess. Song just didn't speak to me. It just didn't speak to me. I don't know what it is. I hate being a hater. It's just not for me. If How do you live? Them. How do you live, Jay? How do you breathe? <laughs> I hear I'm suffocating. <laughs> All right. So we've got five on the high end from Delvin. We got a couple middle of the road threes and a boat anchor two from Death Probe there. Mm-hmm. All right, the votes are in. We're kind of all over the map on this yeah. one. I wonder uh, I wonder how we're going to feel about the film. I'm feeling the same way. That is the energy that I'm feeling right now. You know, we may be uh, all over the map on this one, fellas. All right, folks, for the Jared's Choice segment this week, I want to ask specifically about train fights. Meow, 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 meow. Train fights. All right, boys. All aboard. I've got four for you to choose from in the train fight category. We had a pretty good one against Mr. Hanks in this episode. We have seen him fight Jaws on a train. We've seen him fight Teehee on a train. And of course, we've seen him fight Red Grant on a train. I think we could probably narrow this down to two, but everybody gets an opinion. Christados, I start with you, sir. Train fight. (laughs) My two that I got is Grant Mm -hmm. and this one. Yeah, I think those are the best two, to be honest with you. But hey, I'm open to other opinions, so I don't want to take the other guy. So, shocking Jaws' teeth with that lamp. That was a bold move. If I had to choose, I am going to choose, you know, I'm going to stick with my statement I made way back with Grant that I didn't really enjoy that fight, so I'm going with this one. The new pet. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I just, I had to think about it. You know, I, I, I like it. Yeah. Actually, there's nothing wrong with that. This was a good fight. 
upon yeah. repeat viewing, I was like, this is a better fight than I remembered. <laughs> Not bad at all. Yeah, they went through a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did. They did. You know, and maybe that's what was better about it, because with the one with Grant, it was more close quarters, and they just kind of stayed in that room. Pretty much, it was between the two rooms. Yeah. Where this one, rooms. it was like all yeah. over, and they were like... They made more use of the train. That's fair. And I guess we want to be super fair. He also did fight Mishka and Grishka on the train in Octopussy. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I, I shouldn't count that out, but I'm going to. Delvin, <laughs> what do you think, man? <laughs> Wait, he did jump on the train and fight that dude in Skyfall, but... That's on top of the train. Yeah, yeah you're either talking, on yeah. the you're train either. or in, <laughs> in the train. train. Yes. We're this is, this is in the train. It's the cuffs. Inside the... holes in my own category. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with the classic. And the reason why is because they set that fight up all movie. Mm-hmm. Red had been silently sabotaging... Sean Connery's bomb the whole movie, and then they finally got to that final pitch battle, and it was intense, and it was personal, and it ended just brutally, particularly for the time frame. Mm-hmm. Taking nothing away from the fight that we saw here in Spectre, because Batista, I'm not even calling him by his name in the movie, Batista just so physically overmatched Daniel Craig that Daniel Craig needed help. Daniel Craig would have lost that fight. Yep. And he probably should have lost that fight. And that's not his fault. I mean, it's close quarters with a man who is twice his size, probably more. That's not even fair. And it was a great fight, but I'm going to give it to Red Grant and Sean Connery's bond on the train fight. That's the correct answer, uh, Pat. (laughs) (laughs) You know. (laughs) (laughs) Jason, I know you want to weigh in. I know you're not a rookie, but... To me, I differentiate between the scene and the actual stunt. Delvin's absolutely right. As far as the scene is considered, from Russia with Love is superior. The setup that they did to get there, the drop points in the story, phenomenal. Great fight scene at the end. But if I'm just going for the straight-up fight, I have to agree with Pat on this one. I think that that fight scene was phenomenal. And I know... Delvin, I mean, you're much more of a a martial artist than the rest of us, so you're probably looking at this from a much more technical lens, and I get it, man. There's no way that Craig's going to win in a fight with Batista, but I think in a way, I mean, I was really impressed by Batista's acting chops throughout that whole movie, even though they didn't really give him, I don't know if he even said any words, but his actions, his mannerisms, just... He said something at the end, didn't he? Yeah, Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I think the ability for him to actually play down a little bit so that the fight looked like it was a little more evenly matched than it probably was was impressive. I had to give it up for Craig trying to use the super kick. Mm-hmm. The, the right grab door. over his head. Double, yep. Double kick. And Batista like, nah, that ain't playing yeah, here. <laughs> you think, you think, the, I think the fight was between, you know, Braun and technique. You know, you yeah. have. Yeah. Um, there so was Craig's trying technique and the other guy just like, yeah, I'm, I'm a just, brick house, baby. Fantastic fight. Dave Batista was in the WWE. I'm sure everyone knows that, right? Uh-huh. Yes. So yeah. he would have experience wrestling with smaller guys. So thankfully, he he would have a little bit of chops there. 
That's one of the things that Craig is best at, those realistic fights. And in a realistic fight like that, there was a point where Craig, he was like, look, I am literally throwing everything I can at this man. He ran in the kitchen just to find something to throw at you. <laughs> Get away from me. No, this isn't fair. You're too freaking big because you just needed some advantage there. And and that was cool. I I like the realism of the fight. It was very, very good. Definitely agree. And that's a tough, tough call for me. But at the end of the day, I mean, for the pure fight, I'm going to give it to uh, Batista and Craig in the movie. And a lot of that's because I've said a lot of bad things about the movie. (laughs) I have no brother. (laughs) (laughs) No, it is a good fight. And that's the whole reason I brought it up. I was like, this is a really good train fight. And obviously, I'm on the side with Delvin uh, from Rush With Love, because I think the two fights were on par with one another, and from Rush With Love was 1963. Nobody had seen anything like that before. So I give it the edge. I'll need to rewatch that one again. You know, I've only seen it that one time, so... You could probably go on the uh, YouTubes and just put, like, James Bond fights, and I guarantee you it's going to show up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, I'm going through the whole story and all the build-up and all that, too. Yeah? This is a good one. Let's just get that really, really sexy Bond girl in it. Don't get me started. Okay. <laughs> That's it for Jared's choice about train fights. Good discussion tonight. I really I really like that one. And I'll hand the keys of this Aston Martin over for Jason to let him just get into it. All right. So it's time to talk about the movie. Highs and lows from the film. We'll start with Delvin this time. Give me a high. Give me a low. What are your thoughts? I'm going to start general here. I'm going to tell you a quick story. Miranda and I, about seven years ago or so, went and watched Skyfall. And sure enough, about whenever Spectre came out, five years ago, has it been? Five? Four? That's about right, yeah. Five years? Sounds about right. We went to watch Spectre. All I remember about it, it it was late. I worked out before that, and I promptly fell asleep. On the movie, I, I fought the good fight. I did everything I could, and I fell right the heck to sleep. So fast forward to 2019. I didn't get a lot of sleep in the morning, and I came in, and it was like about 10 o'clock, and I started watching the movie, and I was already tired, which isn't normally the case. And so I doubled up on the caffeine, and I started drinking, and I never fell asleep in the movie, but it was a long movie. It just got to a point where it was almost like, Kind of, is this thing going to end? Also, am I missing out on key plot points here? Because it seemed to go from one scene to the next. And it was, you know, a, if I was in the what the category, it's like, man, for a, it was a two and a half hour long movie. And I'm not quite sure why it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was and to be honest, it was when I was trying to type up the summary that I hear exactly what you're saying. And that's what it hit me. It's like, yeah, this thing just kind of meandered about for two and a half hours. And there were some things that I really liked about it. I mean, there were some really good scenes in there. I don't want to come off as a total hater, but, you know, but <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I just want to say I, I agree with your assessment on that one there, Delvin. What about you, Pat? Too long? Not long enough? Any well, other I, thoughts? I, I'm glad you asked that because I didn't think it was 
too long, I, you know, compared to the other Bond movies that we watched. You know, I looked at it and I'm like, okay, it's two and a half hour movie. So I'm going to split this into two, just like Delvin. I kind of watch it later at night, so I do kind of get tired. So on Monday night, I watched about an hour and 15 minutes of, of it. And then last night, I watched the rest of it. In that first night, I was kind of at the part to where, where I ended was right when they got into Tangier. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, do I want to watch more? I'm like, okay, here's a good spot where I need to stop. But I did want to continue on. What I liked about it was that it may be a long, but it was their way of you know, kind of, I don't want to say kind of stretching the story, the chase out a little bit before they just revealed of, you know, hey, this is, you know, Blofeld and this is, you know, here's the tie that he has is, hey, he's your brother or he's your, you know, stepbrother or whatever, you know, all that going on. So I think they were kind of just stringing it along and putting a lot of the bits and the pieces together of the other three movies of what's kind of happening and how it uh-huh. kind of built up. Well, let me ask you this, because Jared and I were having a conversation about this, and I think you two are a good test case here. Because Jared was saying that, from his perspective, this big reveal of Oberhauser being Blofeld, Mm -hmm. for those of us that were Bond fans, we're like, no S. Like, yeah, we figured that out a long time ago. This isn't a big deal to us. And Jared's other perspective was, for the new Bond fans, they'd be like, you know, because it's been so long since we've seen this. Yeah. 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 Going into this one, I kind of figured it was going to be, you know, him as he's sitting at the table and, you know, it's Blofeld and you can just kind of, his mannerisms and watching, Mm. you know, the other movies. What got me a little more interested in it was kind of more of the backstory going on and just, I like story and how it kind of continues together like that. And just how they're using bits and pieces of the other movies to make it one bigger, grander story going on to get here. So I was really caught up in that and going, oh, there's that part. And, oh, I see what they were doing way, you know, in the other movie back then. And that's what really kept me interested in it. Okay, that's an interesting perspective. And did you kind of feel the same way, Delvin? Similar. You got to realize if you are a fan of a longstanding institution of a fictional character, such as James Bond, some of the movie is going to be for you. Some of the movie can't be for you because they want to bring in new people. They can't just bring in people our age. They have to hook in the 13 and 14 year olds who want to watch this movie too. So it maybe was a reveal to a new person to the Bond universe or a youngster that Oberhauser was Blofeld. Maybe that was a big thing. Or maybe it was enough for someone to say, well, who the heck is Blofeld? And that might make them want to go back and watch the older movies. That's an interesting perspective. It was a necessary reveal in that we as Bond files would say, yeah, we know. But we also knew that it was a soft reboot, and these are things that you have to rediscover in a soft reboot. Okay. So with a little change. And I, yeah, and I, don't, I don't have any beef with that point of view of it, per se. It just has always bugged me that I always put myself in the mind of the new 15-year-old boy who went and saw it, and he only knows the Craig era. And they're like, it's Blofeld. And if I was that kid, I'd be like, who is that? Because they never planted that seed in any of the previous Craig movies. Like, yeah. well, but he says it, but he says, you know, I needed to change my name, so I use my mother's maiden name. But what does that mean to the 15-year-old kid who only knows the Craig series? That's well, the part yeah. that bugs me. It means nothing to them. I didn't know that in in the older movies how his name came about. To me, that yeah. was a kind of cool reveal. I guess. 
I just, to Delvin's point, the only bright lining I can see on it is it would create that 15 year old that we've sort of made up here, but it would make him want to perhaps go back and learn. I suppose, but it's, it's just weird. Weird well, reveal. Without, like without the, dropping teasers along the way, it's a weird reveal. Yeah, but I do like the perspective the rookies bring to it. And I think, you know, they kind of went into it there with an uncontaminated view, so to speak, of the film. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I kind of land on Jared's perspective, but I think it is helpful to have some mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. fresh perspective from the fellas. That's why we do the show. That's why we do. Delvin, do you have any other highs or lows that you want to uh, bring forward? When the movie started, they uh, introduced Denby. What's his actor name? Do you know his name? Denby. C. Oh, oh, the guy from Sherlock. Oh, the guy. <laughs> yeah, that is. I, I know him as Morty Arty from Sherlock. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. And maybe it was because of that, but he wasn't fooling anyone. Uh-uh. Generally, real life or movie, anytime that you have the dude that's like, hey, we're going to combine all the intelligence and we're going to put it all together under me. That dude's always bad. <laughs> well, yeah. And then it's like, we've got everybody but South Africa. And then two days later, major terrorist attack in South Africa. <laughs> What? What? How did that happen? I wrote down immediately. So CM is a bad guy. (laughs) I I knew it immediately. That was telegraphed forever. I just saw it right away. I saw it coming. Who's that British actor that always plays the villain in every movie? Oh, uh, Max von Sydow? No, no, no. He's a younger guy. He he was kind of in Kingsman, but he actually played a good guy. He played Merlin, I think it was. Oh, Strong. It's Mark, Mark Strong. Strong. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of like when you see Mark Strong in a movie, it's like, that's the bad guy. <laughs> I do the same thing with Max von Sydow. That's Every the bad guy. You see him show up, you're like, yeah, here we go. See I waited play. all through Kingsman, all through Kingsman for him to turn traitor and be the bad guy. <laughs> 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 and he did. But anyway, Andrew Scott, always the bad guy. Yep. Moriarty, bad dude. Good performance. Great actor. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very good performance. Too good because you don't like him immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't. I, I knew he was a bad guy immediately. So I'll, I'll kind of dovetail this into a similar point. He was the bad guy, but there was never any big fighting with him. The fighting was political. The exact same thing with Blofeld, where Blofeld was more the psychological bad guy, mm-hmm. but sometimes you gotta see Bond throw hands. And they had the henchman in Batista, but he was out of the movie at the second act, I believe. I lost track of the act. <laughs> There's like but, 16 acts. So, yeah, yeah there, there were a lot of acts. The two biggest villains in the movie, neither one of them were really a physical threat. And I think that kind of tampered the movie down a little bit. That's a good point I hadn't thought that of. That is, yeah. All right. What about you, Pat? Any other thoughts? Anything to add to that or any uh, other highs and lows? I liked the car chase scene. That's pretty cool. Uh, that was pretty cool. You know, sometimes they overdone them, but this one was really cool. And Which car chase scene? In Rome? Yes, the one in Rome. That was really good. Some of the other action in it as well um, I enjoyed. I'm trying to think of a, another... And that's the problem. That's the problem with this movie. Yep. There's a whole action scene where Bond chases down a convoy of cars with an airplane, and it's somehow quasi-forgettable. Yeah. Which was my first point. Yep. I hear you. It's like this movie washes over you. And for a a two-and-a-half-hour 
long movie, it just felt like it. there should have been more of an impact. I went back before we recorded it and I watched about the last 40 minutes or so. And the reason why I watched it again was it's like, was it was I sleepy? Did, <laughs> did I, I missed something. And even on the rewatch, I was like, how did the girl get kidnapped again? Just did. She walked away. Just did. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> she walked away. And then just to immediately, I don't want this life. I'm walking away. <laughs> I'm right kidnapped. Dang it. You're still girl. in this life, and now you're the worst part of it. <laughs> this is your life. You're either damsel or you're fighting. The train fight is like the one stunt physical sequence out of there that to me is memorable and then to me the next scene that i find most memorable is the conversation between white and craig i think to me that was the most interesting scene and the rest of it solid meh for me so i like the I, car chase i'm with dj Cristalos in the car chase i liked it put this as a dislike or a low but kind of a what the what do you think about them tying in Blofeld to James Bond like that? That they're stepbrothers. I don't like it. I think it's the plot to the third Austin Powers movie. <laughs> I'm Dougie! <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It is the plot to the third Austin Powers movie. How did I not make that connection? I think that's why it's good that we do this, because I carry a lot of Bond baggage with me Mm, into this movie. Mm -hmm. And so to me, it doesn't feel right. Like to me, Bond is good, you know, flawed, but good. And Blofeld is evil. And that's all that you need to know. It's putting added complexities and layers where you don't need it. And it feels forced because it is forced. That's kind of how I feel about it. I want to piggyback on that because I heard somebody once say this this very brilliantly, and I think it made a lot of sense. They went out of their way to tell Bond's backstory, right? With Lofeld. I heard a guy once say, the beautiful thing about Bond is you don't need a backstory. He's James Bond, secret agent, 007. It's right there on his tax forms. Actually, it probably doesn't say secret agent. You know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) the beauty of the character. Universal imports, exports. And this is essentially what you were just saying, Jason, is, is the beauty of the character is 24 movies, you don't need a backstory. Backstory. With a character like Batman, you need to explain why a dude puts on a bat suit and fights crime. Mm-hmm. This is this dude's day job. There are real people in the world that have this day job. Mm-hmm. You don't have to explain it. And yeah. I agree. I agree with that guy. That's yeah. my bond baggage, though. I pose the question. Somebody else. Does it Christados' turn to answer that question? I think Christados hasn't weighed in on this discussion, and I'm interested to see what he has to say. I kind of enjoy this. A little bit again because I like the deeper story going on. You, I, I like the you, threading. You, <laughs> you know, I'm there, there, there was no underwater scene in this that put me to sleep. Christados, <laughs> 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 you are a layered what? story what? guy. What? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Christados is a layered story guy from way yeah, back. I, you I like it, it in your comics. You like it. Yeah. Marvel movies, how they all mm-hmm. connect. I like, yeah. And that's really what the Bond franchise, I think, was doing here, was reacting to the Marvel films. Mm. Going, this whole connected universe thing is selling right now. We need in on that. And mm. they tried to tie it all together with Spectre. But like I said, they never planted any Blofeld seeds. So when you get a reveal of Blofeld, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, I, maybe. In a sense, they did, kind of. <laughs> And this is somewhat of a reach, but we all knew when they introduced 
the shadow agency back in Casino Royale mm-hmm. that it was Spectre. We just was Spectre. And so knowing that it was Spectre, you had to think that Blofeld was going to show up since this was going to be a soft reboot. Yeah, when you see Christoph Waltz, you're like, that cat's Blofeld. We talked about the young versus old, so someone's young coming in. So all this would be definitely a surprise. But for the Bond files, it was kind of like, well, okay, yeah, we already know this is Blofeld and Spectre, and so maybe they wouldn't be as enthusiastic about it. Christoph Waltz is a great actor, and yeah. he did a, he did a very good job with Blofeld, making mm-hmm. him seem very diabolical. I don't even think they needed that element of saying, okay, I'm your stepbrother, and no. since I didn't like my dad, you in, so I killed my dad. And, eh. Yeah. That part was kind of, it's all right. I mean, I kind of liked it, but I think if they would have just played the part that said, here's all the stuff I did in these other movies, I was behind the scene from the beginning. I'm just a bad guy, and you were getting in my way. So now I started to play with yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would have worked. That would have worked well yeah. for me. I'm yeah. abs- I would have been absolutely okay with that because if anything, if you have two brothers that they grew up together, then you would want a more personal physical fight if yeah. they were so diametrically opposed to each other. You wouldn't have just had one brother doing the thing that throwing all the bad guys and gadgets and stuff out of like at some point they would be throwing hands. And that didn't happen, so that kind of felt a little bit unsatisfying. And a couple other points to piggyback off of Pat, too. The whole plot of From Russia with Love was basically like what we were saying. Get James Bond. Get revenge on James Bond for what he did in Dr. No. That was the whole plot of what Spectre was trying to do. So we've seen that element where Spectre will throw a ton of resources it's what try. the R stands for. That's what the, yeah, that's what the, yeah, exactly. That's what the, and then also we've seen a more personal villain in Goldeneye with uh, 006. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that story worked really well. We didn't need a whole lot of backstory, but I mean, they set up in a great opener, the relationship between these two, and then boom, the big reveal in the middle of the movie. And then like yeah. Delvin said, they're not brothers, but they were brothers in arms. Fisticuffs. Yeah, right. and then, you know, yeah, great fight. That yeah, was gold. a great fight. Yeah. Um, Let's do Goldeneye again. Who's got thoughts on Goldeneye? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, I, I appreciate that. I know this is uh, this is kind of a point of contention amongst a lot of Bond fans, and it's good to have uh, the rookies. And well, I don't know we can call them rookies anymore. The agents, the agents' perspective on this. I do want to say a few things that I also like too. I liked how M was a little more hands on. Yeah. I like cool how he in action M. Yeah, I like M in action. I thought that was cool. You knew right away too when he said, No, we're better off leaving it alone. Do not get in contact with him anymore. Because he knew Bond was gonna find a way to get it all figured out and get back there. Yeah, yeah. and they were compromised. So he yeah. knew that too. Yeah. Yeah, he knew that too. He knew like I'm not doing anything. See you guys later. I'm out. So I really liked M in action. Q a little bit. I liked as well too. Um, Mute the mic. Him. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. You know, him knowing, oh, man, I should I trust Bond again? You know, is he got me in trouble the last time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, can you, Q, can you just do this for me once? And so, you know, he gives in and then, you know, covering for him. Then he goes and pleads to him, you know, you costed me my job now. <laughs> but he still manipulates, you know, Bond still 
his charm even on cue was just you know kind of interesting as well it kind of said that they had a rapport going though Mm -hmm. Q would not have done that if he didn't know that bond was a decent person yeah and you kind of got the feeling that bond was coming to him if not as a friend then at least as a confidant Mm-hmm. And that tracks pretty well with Bond history. Bond and Q, even though they do the bickering and back and forth, there's some genuine respect for each other on a personal and professional level as well. So I liked that Q went out on a limb for Bond a couple of times. And he did. He didn't have to, but he chose to. And same thing with Money Penny as well. Money Penny has or they've shown that they've had a deeper relationship than, say, Bond and Q. And Money mm-hmm. Penny stuck her neck out as well to help yep. out Bond. Yeah, that, that, cool. was, that was the other character that I was going to say. I liked that as well, too. I'll say one more thing here is I like the locations. You know, yeah, like, the locations you know, were really nice. Just really some nice. of the scenes you see. And even going back to the old building to see that, still kind of torn down, you know, just mm-hmm. from what happened before. And then you got this newer building across the way and – that was really cool to see, and you know, come out and the, they come out on the boat again. That reminds me of the world is not enough. Yeah, the world is not enough oh. when he comes out with the black mm. boat and I'm like, oh, cool. What's the boat noise? Nice. <laughs> yeah, great locations. You're absolutely right. And I liked them too because they're very unique from one another. You kind of, you got Mexico City, then you go to back in Rome and you've got London. You've got, I mean, you got Austria, Austria and Tangier, Morocco. Well, the Moroccan desert anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, they're all very unique and they have their own flavor and their own taste. So, yeah, I can't disagree with you on that one. I want to hijack and ask these guys a question real quick. Okay, one of the more divisive things about this movie, and I'll be honest with you, I think I like this movie more than most. I may have sounded very poo-poo-y throughout here. I really do enjoy Spectre. But here's the thing I don't like about it a lot, and I'm interested in your opinion. Madeline Swan, they really try to sell her as the new... Vesper or the new Tracy. Like, this is the woman that understands Bond. This is the woman that Bond can be with. And I just think it falls short. I don't think she's anywhere near Vesper or Tracy, but is that my Bond baggage? Or do you guys feel it too? Pat, you look excited to comment. If that's what they were trying to do, I didn't really catch on to that because she didn't really get a chance to show her skills. It's just told she has some of these skills. I mean, she did help him beat Hinks on the train. Yeah, but I guess I would want to see a little more of maybe sneaky. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you want to see that bit. Tracy like putting that guy's head yeah. through the thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like walking into a, a video store and just knocking some videos over. <laughs> That's Delvin's move. Yeah. Assert yeah. yourself. You know, <laughs> you know, something like that. You know, why? Why'd she do it? I don't care. I just. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think, Delvin? Are you all in on Madeline Swan? And spoiler alert, she's going to be in the next movie. So obviously this relationship continues. Yeah, and I wonder are they going to continue the relationship or are they going to Tracy her? I know what I think it's going to (laughs) be. That's a good, I didn't know that she was going to be in the next one. So that now got me thinking. It makes sense that she would be unless they kind of just did it like, because no, they can't do it like this was just a, end of the movie hookup in scene because Madeline basically said, I don't want this life anymore. You do. I think you're a good guy, but I'm walking away. And Bond made the decision at the end of the movie to say, well, I have better things to do. He literally threw his gun away and went to the girl Mm -hmm. and got his Aston Martin and was out. 
I didn't answer your question. No, no. There was the scene that Vesper Lind had with Bond on the train. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that dialogue, whew, that rapport was established immediately. And at the time, it was established to say Vesper's point of view. You know what? You're arrogant and cavalier. Take risks, and I don't like you. And but you have a nice ass. She did. <laughs> yeah. <have> nice ass. <laughs> Glad you noticed. <laughs> and Bond is like, you know, you're you're a number cruncher, and you're stuffy. But as they found out, they had a ton in common. And Vesper was his ace in the hole. And the same thing with Tracy, where back in the day, Lazenby's Bond just 100% relied on her to get him out of some certain pinches. I didn't quite feel the same here. They did try to establish the Bond there, no pun intended. But it started when Bond had gone on this whole circle chase to find Mr. White and then said, I'll protect your daughter. It just felt different. So, no, not quite. It didn't quite reach the mark. They tried it, but it didn't quite reach it. Now that we're talking about her, in that scene in the hotel where she's like, she's getting drunk on the wine or whatever, she goes to sleep with her clothes on, her dress on. Then it shows him kind of sitting there and then he falls asleep and then he wakes up, watches the mouse, then goes into that room. Then she comes in and she's got like this sleepwear on. When did she change? I'm just glad she did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a very good point. They were sleeping. She got up and she was like, I'm going to put my sleepwear. Yeah, I'm getting my clothes on. She was going to get up. He was watching watching her change his fake sleep. I don't know. Do the Sean Connery. <laughs> I'm sleeping. <laughs> That's an interesting point, though, Pat. Mm-hmm. So it looks like we've really talked about this movie quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> Pat, do you have any uh, bullets left in the magazine? No. Delvin, you out of ammo? I am. Surprisingly, few notes taken. That's I'm, I'm taking Pat's line there, but this time, man, it tripped me out. I've taken six, seven, eight pages of notes before. I took a whopping three and a half yeah, on I this would. one and was kind of like, what? wow. <laughs> okay. Guess I just didn't have a lot to write. It's an interesting movie. Jared, anything to add before we, uh, we count them up? To the double O player? I felt like I did, but no, like I said, I don't I think we covered all the all the questions I had for the rookies to check in on how much baggage I carry and whether or not I should carry it. And I think <laughs> yeah, they got some really cool and interesting answers that I I don't have a problem with at all. Except for Pat picked the wrong train fight, but then so did you. <laughs> hey, I love that Connery train fight. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, as far as the stunts and everything are concerned, and this one was pretty. <laughs> it was pretty. Fun. I wonder if they like consciously did the grab double kick. As I was dog. wondering that too. Like and then it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. As if to suddenly say, this is what would really this is what happen. Would really happen. <laughs> the double kick. He grabbed both his legs and just slammed him across that table. That was funny. <laughs> All right, Pat, take it away. All right. Well, for the double player count, I am counting two. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the first lady, Lucia, mm-hmm. right? Lucia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lucia. And then we have. Madeline Swan. He now, if you want to count the <laughs> yeah, he did. I yeah, know. he did. After yeah. they got all amped up after the train fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. They kind you of left the room a little bit more. I, I would give you credit for the lady at the beginning of Mexico. I'm thinking that perhaps I you know, think that probably went down, but we can't prove it. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. Even not at the time. It was probably before. Yeah. And they're just going. And then after. (laughs) Well, I don't know. He's a long way away. I'd make the flight back. (laughs) Get out of the way, everybody. I'm landing this bird. (laughs) I told her I'd be back. I'm on my way back. (laughs) Oh, man. That's that's what I got for a double player. Not not too much in this one. Interesting uh, dichotomy because you have the actress who plays Madeline Swan is relatively young. And then, of course, Monica Bellucci was, I think, 50 when they filmed this. And she just, Monica Bellucci still got it, man. She still got it. And I remember Craig talking about that, how he liked doing the scenes with her because it was one of those times where the Bond actor and the girl were of the same age. It's interesting that, you know what, these two girls I'm going to have, I'm also going to kill somebody close to them to get with them. You know, not that he didn't really kill Mr. White, but... Oh, I see. I see. You know what I mean? He was... He did kill Monica Bellucci's husband. Yeah. (laughs) Then he's got the... Uh, he made his move at the funeral. Yeah, it's all about it's all it's all the plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, well done, agents. Real quick, let's hand it over to our veteran co-host to weigh in on this one and give us his bond bombs. All right, so for the bond bombs, got three as usual. Gary Oldman was the first choice for Blofeld, but he had a scheduling conflict. So that's how Christoph Waltz got the part. Yeah, Gary Oldman's good in everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. he can class up a movie. And then I think we talked a little bit about this before, but I thought it was worth a throwback. Uh, so Monica Bellucci, who played Lucia, she was originally considered for the role of Paris Carver in Tomorrow Never Dies. I Can't think that would have been an interesting choice. I would mm-hmm. like to see that. And then this is, I picked this third one, and this is a quote from Pierce Brosnan. And I picked it because I particularly have been pretty critical on this movie. And I found this quote that Pierce Brosnan said, and I thought he summed it up in a very nice way. I'll just read it verbatim here. I was looking forward to it enormously, the movie. I thought it was too long. The story was kind of weak. It could have been condensed. It kind of went on too long. It really did. It is neither fish nor fowl. It's neither Bond nor born. Am I in a Bond movie? Not in a Bond movie? But Daniel in the fourth go-round has ownership of it. He has a nice sense of looseness to him. He's a mighty warrior. And I think he found a great sense of himself in this one, with the one-liners and a nice playfulness there. Just get a tighter story, and he'll have another classic. And I thought that was a good way to sum it up. Daniel did a great job. I think he looked like he was kind of having fun in this movie. There's a little more sense of humor in this film. Mm-hmm. I just thought that that was just kind of a nice quote from Pierce Brosnan to sum up my thoughts on it. That's fair. And with those 007 trivia nuggets tucked safely away... It's time to have our rookie agents score this film. Jason, do it! Okay, well, I kind of thought we were going to be all over the map on this when we first started discussing it, but I think we all kind of had some similar points of view. So I'm interested to see how this fleshes out. For the new listeners just tuning in, we rate this on a score of 1 to 7 martinis. And a 7 means that you loved it. It shook your martini. 6, it's an excellent martini. Five, it's very good. Four, it's good. Three, it's just okay. Two, not so good. And one, you hated it. It stirred your martini. So we'll start it off with Pat DJ Cristados. How many martinis are you going to give this film? I am going to give this one. I'm in the half seas kind of zone here right now, boys. So (sighs) you better get the heck out of that zone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think. Will I want to watch this one again? And so it's going to bump me up 
I'm giving this one a six. Wow. Okay. Did not enjoy it. With all that's said and done, I really enjoyed it. And again, it goes back for me. It was the action. Was it long? It was long, but it it kept my interest in it because of all, again, the backstory they were kind of doing. And I really liked it. The action was fine. It wasn't a lot of overaction. I think the action spots were just right for what they did. And I really enjoyed it. Nice. Okay. Well. What about you, Delvin? How many martinis are you going to give Spectre? I originally wrote a five, but I'm going to knock it down to a four. And, and, and the reason why is that's about where it needs to land. It wasn't a bad movie. It was too long. What was the Roger Moore movie in San Francisco? A View to a, a kill. kill. Didn't A View to a Kill run long? Because there was like this entire scene that they did in a library that they could have just cut out entirely. I remember making mention of that. The library. Was it the fire scene or? Yeah. That, because I remember thinking that entire scene could have been taken out of that movie and it would have changed nothing. And it's kind of the same way here where it's almost like the reason why it was so long was that they were apologizing for a five year gap. In the movies, maybe. Who knows? But it was too long. The thing that intrigued me, though, it was also clear to me that they were sending Daniel Craig off. But they didn't. He came back again. It has me intrigued as to why. I'm leaving it at a four, but I I could have it at a five again because of that intrigue alone, alone. I didn't leave the last movie in the franchise thinking, you know what? I'm I'm done with Bond. I've had my fill. I don't want to watch it anymore. It's like, no, I really do want to see No Time to Die. I am very interested in seeing how this story continues, possibly concludes, because I think this will be Daniel Craig's last movie. And Daniel Craig has been such an interesting and polarizing Bond to the Bond community as well. Indulge me here because I know I'm going a little bit long and slightly off topic, but it's it's along the same lines. I liked Daniel Craig's Bond and I liked that they took a gamble on the guy. There's probably no small number of tall, handsome, dark haired British gentlemen that they could have made into James Bond. There were any number of people that they could have chosen, but they kind of chose an interesting and bold direction. And I kind of and I applaud them for that. I think that was a pretty good move. And I'm intrigued to see how his story ends. It was a unique run in James Bond history. And I hope that ultimately is looked upon kindly. We've kind of rambled on a little bit with this one, but this is our last one. So we're going to indulge ourselves. We're going, going all in here. And I think one of the things that I learned just from listening to you guys is it's given me an appreciation for Craig that I don't think I had before. And I think also being able to watch the movies closer in sequence has allowed me to enjoy them a little bit more than when I watched them originally with those four or five year gaps Mm -hmm. between them. So those are two things I kind of personally took away from this. And I agree with you, Delvin. I think that Daniel Craig, he's done a great job as Bond. I'm really looking forward to seeing No Time to Die. I've watched the trailer. I've watched that trailer a lot. And every time I see it, I'm like, I'm so ready for April to get here. See this movie, man. I'm fired up. So I, I want to add one more thing. There's a good thing and a bad thing about being a fan of a long-running franchise. When you look at someone like a Daniel Craig, him plus the studios, you're kind of a victim of history. Meaning, what do you do? Do you 
advance the storyline of James Bond and redefine who James Bond and Agent 007 is to a modern audience? Or do you placate those who have been around since 1962 and have loved this character ever since then? Who do you stay faithful to? Or how can you present the character in such a way that it's new and fresh, but still has some of those nice little creature comforts that you and us have come to know and love? Because one of the things looking at the Daniel Craig series that I kind of picked up on maybe with Quantum of Solace is I like the movies. There's plenty of action, but some of it seemed joyless. And it wasn't as fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair assessment. That, to me, Craig is more down to earth. He's more of an average, I'm just an average Joe kind of guy. Yes. You know, and this is what I can do. You know, he's not, the silliness isn't there. This movie was a little more upbeat. Mm-hmm. So you get a little more of his upbeat side. I like Craig. I like his bond. They went out of their way several times in this movie and others to show you that while he has that confident walk and everything, James Bond is not a perfect man mm-hmm. and he is not the perfect agent. He's going to do what he thinks is best, but he's not perfect. That's not really anything that, say, a Roger Moore Bond touched. Like sometimes Roger Bond was in the thick of, but at, at the end of it, he was always going to be the smart handsome, wisecracking with the grin mm-hmm. kind of bond. And that's not Daniel Craig. And I think some people kind of blasted Daniel Craig for not being that, but it was impossible for Daniel Craig to be Roger Moore, you know? Yeah. And, and nor should he have ever tried to be. So just, again, just that interesting part of like being kind of a slave the history with the Bond franchise. There's so much rich tradition that you have to pay attention to, but if you just stay shackled to it, the character's never going to grow and it would die on the vine. It's just interesting. And these are different times, though, too. You know what I mean? We have the more grittier superheroes. You know, they try to get them a little more dirty or, you know. Yeah, you have two Wolverine movies and they bomb. You make Logan rated R and you got yourself a mega hit. That's And, and the crazy thing is, like, I didn't even really, I didn't even care for Logan that much. And most people loved it. I loved it. Go figure. (laughs) I I know a good closing on this is, and I know Pat would agree with this, it's been a hell of a journey. And it's been a really fun journey to get to discover who and what James Bond is. And it is a very cool thing that that chapter isn't finished yet. That the book of James Bond is still going on. Still being written. And that is a very cool thing. I have no idea who the next James Bond is going to be, but now I have an absolute vested interest in figuring out who that will be, and it's going to be a cool thing. So I'm glad to be a part of that. In the end credits of this, they do state at the end, Bond will be back. So... Oh, and that's man. that's I what I want to see at the end of every James Every Bond James Bond. Almost all of them have something like that. And that, yeah, that's a tradition that needs to live on. It's the most successful franchise in film history. But to me, that told me there's going to be another Craig movie. Not know? necessarily. Nah. I, I didn't take it that way. But, you know, because I yeah. know that's coming, but I would expect that the end of the story is going to happen. You know? The end of the Craig story might happen. Yeah. If you look at the Craig movies holistically, you have Casino Royale, which was kind of rebooting the mm-hmm. 
Microsoft reboot, as Delvin mentioned. And then Quantum of Solace was a victim of the writer's strike. And so they were like, well, let's just, you know, scrap what we'd originally intended to do and carry on this Vesper storyline, close that up. And it was good, you know, and that, that was cool. And then I think Mendez came aboard and said, you know what, I'm going to tell the origin of this story. And a lot of the problem with it is there's just so many years between the films. It's been a heck of a ride taking this with you guys, and it's been a lot of fun. So see you in April. <laughs> no time to die. Yeah, we're getting so close to the end, man. Just never say never again left just for the little kind of the bonus round. Man, it's been two years. Can you believe it? I can believe it. No. We've done it. We have done it. I'm going to turn it back over to you, Jared. I think we've talked this one a lot. We have. And, I've enjoyed uh, the conversation, though. Jason and I, it's rookie agents, so it doesn't really matter, but we never did give our scores without pontificating too much. I'd say if Musical Genius Joe November was here, he'd give it a 4.5. I like it a little more than most. I'd give it a 5. What about you? I'm going 4. We're all four through six. We're in a in a nice grouping. Anyway, well, cool. Thanks, everybody. Well, of course, now it's time to crown this episode's Double O Award winner. Pat and Delvin will do this by answering a series of trivia questions on Spectre. Delvin is our current champion. He gets to go first. But before we do that, let's take a quick break to thank our Patreon sponsors. Here is the network founder, Van Allen Plexico. White Rocket Entertainment. We have to pause for just a second here to thank the fine folks who keep shows like this from White Rocket Entertainment on the air. For as little as a dollar a month, you can join their ranks and keep our programs coming. That includes all of the shows that White Rocket produces. Our great patrons as of now include Matthew Flowers, Carl Von Drunker, Samuel Salvatore, and Christopher Burleson, along with Phil Amthor, Ben Spooner, William Glenn Matthews, Gary Grant, Wynn Carroll, Brian Gray, Winston Boddy, Willie Carden, Tom Anderson, Susan Trawick, Logan Chilton, Stephen Thompson, Chris Usher, Justin Bean, Steve Trawick, and Richard Stevens. And then there's Christopher Stewart, Clinton Stewart, Nikki B., William Morgan, Phil Davis, Joshua Corbett, John Otsuki, Preston Settle, Daniel Odom, A.U. Falling Up, Alchemist, Kevin Smith, Clarence Alford, Will Summerford, David Hegler, Johnny Caldwell, Theodore Geary, Reynolds Wolf, Joel Beckham, Valiant Hermes, Jacob and Robin Fleming, Clay Henson, Ann Kangian, Catherine England, George Gaston, John McCune, David Evers, Andrew Barber, Timothy, Steve Harlan, Dan Thompson, Wes Atkinson, Rich Reimer, Jared Albrecht, Blake Heron, Stephen Houston, Cato the Barner, Danny Flack, Papa Todd, Russell Milling, Kevin Canoy, Don Ziederman, Ross, Lane Middleton, Shannon Butson, Randall Walker, Hugh Anderson, Shane Bailey, Mick Vigicana, Chris Thrash, Tony Perry, Alex Wynn, Josh Teal. And then there's David Simpson, Earl Ricks, Mike Finley, C.T. Wayne, Jeremy Minton, Ward M. Wade, Spanky, J.W. Rice, Jason Albrecht, Kevin Mahan, Stephen Wyatt, Trevor Johnson, Auburn Elvis, Robert Drain, Brandon Smith, Royce Alvarez, Thomas Brinson, David Smiley, Matthew Wagstaff, Donnie Reynolds, Wade Carson, Ivor Evans, John Zavachin, Michael Morton, Lawrence Kane, Darren Pyle, Chris Camo, Ben Amos, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Patrick Williams, Rob Morgan, Stephen Schuster, James Taylor, John Stubbs, Kenneth Brent Rains, Nicholas Craig, Joseph A. Miller, Mark Squire, plus Chris, there's Brant Rumble, the great surfer Chickify, and our one-time and anonymous donors. We thank you all, and for as little as a dollar a month, you can join their ranks. Just go to www.plexico.net, P-L-E-X-I-C-O.net, or the Podbean page at secretpodcast.podbean.com. All right. Thank you, Van. Now, 
Like you heard there, if you'd like to help us steal 009's Aston Martin, you too can help sponsor the show at patreon.com. Just search the keyword Plexico, P-L-E-X-I-C-O. You can give as little as $1 a month to keep Agent Jason's smart blood pumping. And like those other folks whose names you just heard, you'll get a shout out on every episode of all the White Rocket Entertainment shows, including this one. As a patron, you'll also get bonus material, behind the scenes information on all White Rocket endeavors, including our novels, our comic books, and more. Jason. Yeah, yeah. Enough talk. Let's find out who this mission's trivia double O award winner is going to be so he can lord it over the other guy until the next episode. Agent Jared and I have each prepared three questions for a total of six. We'll take turns asking each of our contestants a question. You get it right, you get a point. You get it wrong, your opponent has an opportunity for a steal. Most points get you the coveted double O award, an exploding watch, and a waterlogged Aston Martin DB10. While supplies last, not available in all areas. Now let's start the segment we like to call Agents Under Fire. Well, I understand double O's have a very short life expectancy. Okay, let's get to this. Delvin, you are current champion. I'm assuming you're going second. It's a good assumption. Okay, Delvin's going second, using his power of the current championship to choose what order he goes in, which means, Pat, who's reading for you? You know what? I'll go with you. Oh, it's my time. Maybe my luck will change. Maybe your luck will change. Let me pull up these questions. Questions, questions. All we have is questions. Okay, Pat, let's do this. Easy round. First question. Here we go. Vaughn thought Le American was the name of a person. It wasn't. What was it? It was a name of a hotel. That is correct. All right, Delvin, see if you can keep up here. What Mexican holiday was being held in the pre-credits sequence? And which of our podcast agents has a birthday on that same day? (laughs) One part of that question is more important. It's the Day of the Dead, and that should be Jared because Day of the Dead's in November. You are correct, sir. Into the media round, Pat. He may be called Mr. White, but his daughter uses what last name? Swan. Swan. Say it with confidence. Swan. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Pat's not making it easy on you tonight, Delvin. So here you go to keep pace. What was the name of the intelligence initiative that C was pushing? CNS. I think we said we would take that one, right, Jared? I think we did, actually. It was commonly known as Nine Eyes, but you actually answered that, and you were right. Was it CNS? I was, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, that's I correct. was like, yeah, it was like coordinated. It was called CNS. Its its nickname was Nine Eyes, yeah. so yeah, we did say we would take that. Hmm. Well done. He died on it. He Jason did the same thing. He took the harder answer. Yeah, I did. I answered it CNS as well. Because that's the scene I remember was him landed on that thing. His blood all spilling out over the CNS logo. Oh, right. Just watched it before we came on. All right, Pat. We're under the hard round. Hard round, and it's all tied up. Pat, judging by what we saw in this here film, or maybe what we heard, who is one of 009's favorite singers? Oh, it's the hard round. (laughs) 009? Yeah, piece the puzzle together, Pat. (laughs) (laughs) And I got this right, so I just got it right. He certainly did. Now I'm playing the whole thing back in my head. I can't... uh, uh. Oh, he's Delvin. pulling a hammy, Delvin. <laughs> Delvin looks like he's frustrated that he can't remember it for the yeah, steal. I'm, 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 Delvin, do you know it? 
I can't tell you if I know it or not. <laughs> oh, no. His oh. eyes say no, Pat. His eyes say no. <laughs> I don't know. I'll probably, once you say it, I'll be like, oh. Well, let's see if Delvin can All say right, it. All right, Delvin, you got a chance for a steal. Mm. You want me to read the question one more time? No, you don't have to. So just to indulge Jared, the part that I pieced together is that when Bond stole the car and he's driving in it and he presses the button and, the it, plays, comes, uh, and it plays the music and I'll be freaking monkey uh, monkey. I'm not going to remember the dang group. I don't know. Yeah, as he's trying the different buttons and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. I think the button was labeled atmosphere. Oh, just so and you know. the radio came on and it and was it came on and he went, no. And turned yeah. Yeah. And I can't remember the song. All right. I will reveal to you the correct answer is Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Old blue eyes. Well Delvin can still win it if he gets his question right. All right, Delvin, for the win. What's the name of the safe house where Bond linked up with M and his crew in London? What's the name of the safe house where Bond linked up with M and the rest of the crew in London? Can I tell him about when this is? Like he's looking. No. Okay. <laughs> that says no. Okay. That's no, idea. I no clue. Can I take that one, please? Yes, yeah, so it's your steal. I'll go with safe house. <laughs> What's the name of the safe house? It was indeed a safe house. What was the name of the safe house? The answer is safe house. That was his answer. That's what made it a safe house. This is a hard one because... Well, they did say it and it was on the door. And it's a little nugget in there for Bond fans. This is a short story, I believe. Mm -hmm. Called the Hildebrandt Safe House. Uh, I just remember him saying, well, it is a safe house. I I, I caught the safe house. I'm like, oh. It's from the short story, The Hildebrandt Rarity. Okay. Okay, so Delvin wins then, right? It's tied. Oh, it's tied. Tied, two to two. I'll throw a bonus question over to Pat. Bonus rounds. We are going sudden death. Which is why Delvin's very smart to pick to go second. Sudden death. You get it right, you move on. You get it wrong, this game is over, and Delvin wins. What were the terrorists planning to blow up in the pre-title sequence? Soccer game. I'll take stadium. it. Stadium. Yeah, yep. stadium. Yep, he's right. They never said what sport, but it was Mexico, so we have to assume that it was soccer. I'm assuming, yeah, <laughs> some sort of a soccer stadium. Yeah. So sudden death means he wins, right? No. Or does... Or does uh, I, we've only done this 24 times. Oh, you don't, we don't know. <laughs> I think Delvin gets a shot to stay alive. Okay. All right. See, the reason why is because Pat usually misses the <laughs> We never get this far. I'm starting to wonder if we yeah, should make more We haven't gone this far in a while. Yeah, we only have one Ooh. more bonus question after this, so Ooh. somebody needs to get Uh-oh. this stuff wrong. All right. Delvin, how many minutes did Blofeld give Bond to find Madeline? Three. Oh, this is we're down to the last question, Jared. I'm really kind of rooted against Pat at this point. <laughs> we're down to the last question. And he does suck at geography, so here we go. Oh, crap. What country <laughs> did Q meet Bond in? Austria. Damn it. Holy cow. <laughs> we're out of questions. <laughs> you know what? Total tie. Total tie. I'd rookies. say this This is the best way for the rookies to This is end. the best way for them to go out as yep. complete equals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Neither one given an inch. Both of them answering every question that was posed to them. Out of like, questions. <laughs> like true double O's. We're out. 
We're out. We're out, everybody. They both win. Our guns are empty. <laughs> Mariamo. Uh, um, uh, well, uh, you earned it. You keep it. Keep it. Right. <laughs> Old buddies. Old buddies. <laughs> oh, what a fun way to end the Eon run here. Well, congratulations to you both. Do the right and proper thing and just crow to everybody you know that you're both winners. <laughs> yeah. Trivia round. <laughs> wow, you guys are really good. <laughs> Well, let's see if Jason and I can do just as good in our final segment, which is entitled Return Fire. I cannot. I, will t- <laughs> not, I, am, we're, I don't have high hopes for us. During Return Fire, rookie agents Pat and Dub get to toss Jason and I a trivia question they brought with them in an attempt to stump the double O experts. So let's get going with Return Fire. This never happened to the other fellow. Pat, mm-hmm. hit us and put some stank on it. Okay. Well, the reason why I knew it was Austria, because it is part of my question for okay. you guys. Oh. So, oh. with this movie, I spoke about it earlier, too, planting the seed of key locations. Right. So, uh-huh. there are several key locations, including Morocco, mm-hmm. Austria, and yes. London. Correct. That all are held in common with another James Bond movie. Which oh. movie is that? I know which one it is. It's The Living Daylights. Yeah, I was going to say. Pop, pop, hiss. All right, you got get, it. Yeah. Oh. You ain't getting no Timmy D questions past Gerard. Yeah. <laughs> I remember Good thinking, question. like, he hasn't been back here since Living Daylights. <laughs> Good question. I think Pat stole that from the internet. That doesn't sound like a Pat question to me. I had no numbers <laughs> I like it, though. It was a good question. A little help. I, I, I little help yeah. <laughs> Fine question, though, Pat. Fine question. What you got, Delvin? Towards the end of the movie, Bond was walking through and he saw a bunch of names on the wall. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. Which his name was scribbled on there. You know the scene? Yeah, yeah. It's I did know the scene. And they have the memorial wall. I think they wrote James Bond on there. They did. They wrote James Bond on it. Well, there are some other names there. And one guy's name was Marcus. What was his last name? Oh, piss off, man. It's funny because I actually did pause to read the names to see if they really put anything in there that was amusing. Marcus I really Allen. did. I paused. I was like, oh, these names are cool. But I spent just a few seconds looking at it. I'm going to go with Marcus Allen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um I don't know. Wait, wait, wait. I got it. I got it. It's Marcus Williams. The yeah. only reason Delvin would ask this question it's, is it's, Marcus Williams. It's not Marcus Williams. Damn it. Oh, I liked where your head was Damn at. It. In a sense, you were closer with Marcus Allen because this name is a football name that you're probably familiar with, Jared. I'm trying to think here. There is another thing. It's Marcus Die. It is Marcus Die. <laughs> Thank you, Google Image. A double O has to use every resource to his surprise. I totally, I was like, it's not going to be up here, but I'm going to put on Spectre Memorial Wall. And there's like a million pictures. (laughs) 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 Jason straight up cheated, but there's no cheating in the field of battle. That's right. (laughs) You ain't cheating, you ain't trying. In that case, I should have been cheating on rookie agents all this time. <laughs> That's the secret. And, that and you're now you're in double O. What was it that M said? I've been going rogue the whole time, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. What was that she said? You trust nobody. Now you learned your lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was fun. Nicely done, guys. Nicely done, guys. Agent Jared, what do we have in the eyes-only mailbag this week? What, no small talk? 
no chit-chat? Couple of things, couple of things. As a reminder to our audience, if you'd like to be part of the show, you can send us questions, comments, trivia challenges to ohmspod at outlook.com or over on our Twitter page, which is at ohmspod. And we encourage you to use our email, which once again, ohmspod at outlook.com. Send us an audio recording of your question or comment. We might even play it on the show. Please do try to keep your questions or comments down to around three to five minutes because we do get a lot of them. But hey, this is our last one, really. I guess we'll have some for Never Say Never again. But after that, I don't know if we're going to have as many weigh-ins, but I guess we'll see. We're always happy to hear from you guys. Speaking of which, if you guys are an iTunes listener, we'd really appreciate it if you left a review for the show. It'll help raise the show's profile, get more of the 007 family to our program, because it's all about building a family and having some fun. We'll be happy to read any review that you leave for us on an upcoming episode of MI6 Rookie Agents, unless it's just full of profanity and other things. Then we probably won't read it. Hey, 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 hey. (laughs) (laughs) But luckily that hasn't happened yet. So here's a couple of things from our mailbag that we got from some friends and fellow podcasters from around the world, because we're international, boys. We've got five send-ins tonight. We will start with our friend, Agent I. I'm certain he's going to have something to say about the literary bond. I hope so. Hello, rookie agents. This is Agent I with your Fleming connection for the 2015 James Bond movie, Spectre. I have two connections between the movie and the literary 007 for you. The first is the character of Franz Oberhauser. He isn't a character created by Fleming but is identified as the son of Hans Oberhauser, who was. Hans appears in the Fleming short story Octopussy as someone literary Bond knew in his adolescence, serving as his guardian for a time after his parents died and teaching him to ski in the Swiss Alps. He goes missing at the end of the Second World War, and 20 years later, his body is found. There is evidence he was murdered by the British officer who was sent to arrest him, and Bond is sent to bring the now-retired officer to justice. In the film, Christoph Waltz appears to be the son of Hans Oberhauser, who is somehow jealous of Bond's relationship with his father and is now using the name Ernst Stavro Blofeld. Honestly, the Oberhauser is Blofeld part of the movie does nothing for me, and I find it is better to ignore it. Oberhauser would be a passable villain without the use of the name Blofeld, and that main name means nothing to the Daniel Craig portrayal of Bond anyways. The second connection to Fleming is the use of Spectre itself. In the films, the criminal and terrorist organization called Spectre was used from the very beginning, when, in 1962, Dr. No identifies himself as a member. Spectre then goes on to appear in about seven or eight films, depending on what ones you include. But in the Fleming novels, Spectre appears in just three and is mentioned in just one other. Fleming didn't create the organization until his ninth novel. In the 1950s, Bond's enemies like Drax and Dr. No and Goldfinger were supported by Soviet Russia. But moving into the 1960s, Fleming was concerned that Cold War politics were changing, and so he created a neutral enemy for Bond, shaping Spectre into a shadowy, global terrorist organization operating for its own benefit, rather than either the East or the West. It became Bond's enemy for the novels Thunderball, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, and You Only Live Twice. But Eon also incorporated Spectre into the movies Dr. No, From Russia with Love, and possibly Diamonds Are Forever, and now with the Craig era in the movie titled Spectre. The film's callback to the character of Hans Oberhauser and the use of the Spectre organization as Bond's opponents are connections to the literary James Bond. But connecting them to each other is only found in this movie, and one I'd just assume the movie didn't have. 
the names Spectre and Blofeld mean nothing to the Daniel Craig James Bond, so they really land with a dud in the movie. Perhaps the next film will pick up on these elements and do something more meaningful with them. Time will tell. You can follow me for more Bond knowledge on the Twitter at Seek Out Wisdom. This is Agent I, signing out. Sounds like me and Agent I should hang out more. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Agent I is obviously a crusty old double O like us, man. <laughs> like a, I did not know that about Octopussy. I've read that short story, but I forgot Oberhauser was in that. Yeah. It's been years since I read it. That's really cool. I'm it's glad he brought that memory back. Yeah. Jason brought up the name of the safe house. Was oh, the title right. of a book, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Rarity. Short story. I think it's actually a fish. The Hildebrandt Rarity is a fish. It was, yes. Oh. Well, interesting novel tie ins. Yeah, yeah, man. Agent I is always good on those. Yeah. I guess it's time to go to South Africa. Its name is Spectre. Spectre? Spectre. Special Executive for Counterintelligence, Terrorism, Revenge, Extortion. Hello, rookie agents. It's Agent R, Matt Robenheimer, here with some thoughts about Spectre, the 24th Eon-produced James Bond film. After the great success of Skyfall, anticipation was really high for the new Bond film. And I think the online James Bond community really kicked into high gear, speculating about what the story could be. And then when they announced the title Spectre, it was as if the fan community couldn't have been more excited. For many Bond fans, what they really wanted from the next Daniel Craig movie was more of a return to classic James Bond, the tropes that we've known and loved over the years. And in many ways, that's what Spectre delivered. Finally, we got a Daniel Craig Bond movie with the gun barrel at the beginning of the film, although I think many of us found a few nits to pick with that particular gun barrel sequence. But the opening action scene before the main titles was fantastic. That long tracking shot, James Bond looking really cool, walking across the rooftops, and some really impressive helicopter stunts as well. And as the film unfolded, we got a nice cue scene, we got Ray Fiennes playing an irascible and grumpy M, and we even got to see the return of Mr. White, a well-liked character from Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace. You're a kite dancing in a hurricane, Mr. Bond. And in my opinion, the best scene of the film was the one introducing Christoph Waltz's Blofeld, that uh, Spectre meeting in that great hall. It really brought back a certain flavor of the Spectre meeting scene in Thunderball, which I really appreciated. But unfortunately, in the second half of the film, it didn't really develop into the classic Bond adventure that we were all hoping for. The film ticked many of the boxes that uh, Bond fans hoped it would, but as an overall package, it left, left us wanting something more. Obviously, a major criticism with the film has to do with the whole Blofeld Bond subplot, the backstory of them being sort of stepbrothers as kids. It's really unfortunate that the filmmakers decided to take it in that direction, rather than just have Blofeld as this uh, arch enemy for Bond. That to make it too personal, and I think that was a concept that most Bond fans really didn't take to. This cuckoo made me realize my father's life had to end, so thank you, cuckoo. However, I did really enjoy the Blofeld torture sequence, where they actually lift a dialogue from one of the James Bond continuation novels. For a long time I've thought that there's a lot of untapped potential in those books, and I'm really glad that they decided to actually go and take some ideas, and even some dialogue verbatim from one of the novels. Unfortunately, a lot of the action in the movie just feels really empty. Unlike the very realistic scenes in Casino Royale, where there's lots of onlookers and extras involved in the action scenes, like for example in the Madagascar chase, In Rome, there's no other traffic on the roads. 
when Bond and Madeline escape from Blofeld's compound, it's all too easy, there's hardly any guards, and the whole place seems to blow up with hardly any effort on Bond's part. Likewise, the final action scene in London is a bit lackluster. Although I did enjoy the ending of the film with Bond and Madeline driving off in the Aston Martin DB5, it kind of left it a bit ambiguous. Is Bond done with being a 00 agent? Is there more adventures to come? Is there a romance that's going to blossom with Madeline Swan? It really leaves it quite open-ended and I enjoyed that. It'll be interesting to see where they pick up on that in No Time to Die. So in the end, Spectre turned out to be a film that I enjoyed in the theatre. I've enjoyed it a few times watching it on Blu-ray at home. But it's one of those films that doesn't really reward re-watching very much. There's many other Bond films like A View to a Kill, Octopussy, Live and Let Die, which I can re-watch over and over and over. Whereas with Spectre, I don't really have that. It's an okay film, but it's far from being Daniel Craig's strongest. And I really hope that No Time to Die will deliver us a Daniel Craig Bond film where you can really go out on a high. I really can't wait for No Time to Die to come out, and I'm sure you guys can't either. So I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts on Spectre, and also look forward to hearing your thoughts on No Time to Die. So until next time, goodbye for now. Agent R with the sweet musical production values. He did bring up something that Jason and I talked about. Jason and I talked about that escape from Blofeld's lair, and, and Matt said that it happened a little too easily, and Jason's of that camp. And I, I agree with that, too. But one thing that bugged me about that, I don't know if you guys noticed this, is when sort of Bond gets his hand on a rifle and he's taking dudes out, sometimes he kind of rambos it and just kind of shoots from the hip. And he's got, like, cover there that he doesn't use. And then near the end, when he's making his way to the helicopter, then he starts getting very tactical, holding mm-hmm. the weapon properly, aiming properly, using cover. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I thought that was just weird that, like, sometimes he was being tactically smart and sometimes he was just being insane with his tactics with the weapon. I just thought it was unbalanced. And then for me, and I brought this up to Jared before, like, I would be pissed if I was Blofeld and I was like, one valve, one valve, and he shoots a bullet <laughs> through it and it blows my whole base. Was this the Death Star? What did I just build, man? Dude, how much money did I pay you? He shoots one bullet into a gas pipe and it blows up my whole base. You know, somewhere there's an African consulate where the guy's going, you know, we kind of got off easy. <laughs> But anyway, I got hung up on one little piece. I actually didn't know that the dialogue and the torture scene was from a continuation novel. I wonder which one. I know. I was wondering the same thing. I was hoping you'd drop a dime novel. I've read most of them. The only ones I haven't read a ton of are the Gardeners. So I don't know. Maybe it's from a Gardener or maybe I just forgot. I'm sure somebody Uh, out there can help us. Somebody's yelling at us right now. Probably. Now we're going to head to the Netherlands and check in with our old friend, Agent Z from the double O files. There's no denying that Blofeld is the arch nemesis of James Bond. We get our first glimpse of him in the beginning of From Russia With Love. I warned you, we do not tolerate failure number three. And then again in Thunderball. The culprit is known to me. I've decided on the appropriate action. Still, he's faceless, nameless even, played by Anthony Dawson and voiced by Eric Pullman. Personally, this mysterious incarnation of the character is probably my favorite. And then in You Only Live Twice, Bond finally gets to meet the man himself. James Bond, allow me to introduce myself. I am Ernst Stavro 
Blofeld. Donald Pleasance replaced Czech actor Jan Verik at the last moment in a now iconic role with the Nehru jacket and the bald head and the scarred eye and the white pussycat that desperately wants to get the hell out of that exploding volcano. In Honor Majesty's Secret Service, Tali Savalas takes over as Blofeld. Well, the methods of the great pioneers have often puzzled conventional minds. And Savalas brings some much-needed class and physicality to the role. His hypnotic voice and weird way of holding his cigarette makes him stand out in a crowd. And then for Diamonds Are Forever, for some reason, they recast the part and Charles Gray returns, after he already played Henderson he only lived twice, but now he's Blofeld in drag. It's a fun, albeit silly take on the character. Right idea, Mr. Baum. But wrong pussy. There's a brief confrontation in the pre-title sequence of For Your Eyes Only, where Blofeld once again, we don't get to see his face, turns into a dummy just before he's dropped down an industrial chimney from a helicopter. And here he was played by John Hollis and voiced by Robert Rietti. Goodbye, Mr. Bond. I trust you had a pleasant fry. <laughs> 1983, Blofeld shows up again in Never Say Never Again, but since you've not seen that film yet, I'll skip it for now, and I'll go straight to 2015, when a suckless Christoph Waltz has the pleasure of being the author of All Bond's Pain. Now, fans have been rather divisive on Waltz's portrayal of the character. Partly, they don't like the script, Bond being Blofeld's foster brother, and partly, they're not convinced by all the cuckooing of Waltz. And I find Blofeld Inspector to be a disappointment. He's more like an annoyingly jealous sales representative of a second-hand car shop than the criminal mastermind he should be. But, you know, maybe that's just me. How about you? Do you enjoy Blofeld being back, or should Eon have left him alone? Alright, that's it from me this time. Looking forward to your show. This is Don Zuiderman, signing out. Agent Z. No, you can't completely get rid of Blofeld. I don't think so. Because he's canon. He is the Bond bad guy. And that would be like getting rid of Dr. Doom. If you're the Fantastic Four, yeah, go away from him. You know, fight the trapster or something. But you're going to come back to Dr. Doom at some point because that's the guy. Same thing with Blofeld. As he was kind of laying out the different incarnations, to me, Spectre in general and Blofeld is that unending well of evil, right? He'll always be there to fight him, but Blofeld is the yang to his ying. And I think that's what's made James Bond so popular over the year. It's that that is the arch enemy, like you were saying, Delvin. And to me, <laughs> most powerful when you don't see him. Yep. He's always there. The mastermind. And I got to thinking about the first X-Men movie. There's a scene at the end where Magneto and Professor X are playing chess and talking to one another. And Magneto says, uh, you know, they can't hold me in here. And one day I'm going to get out of, out of here and I'm going to basically do what I do. And Professor X is like, yes, I know. And I'll always be there to stop you. And that, to me, is a good summary of Bond and Spectre. That's how it should be. Not that the performances were bad by any of the people they mentioned. And I even like Christoph Waltz's performance uh, in the movie. But 
personally, it's always best when he's faceless and in the shadows. I like how he was the mastermind in the Craig side of it and how he was making Craig's pain or Bond's pain. I'm the author of all your pain, James. I agree with everybody. I think Blofeld needs to stay around. Like Jason said, great performances. Maybe not the world's best writing. Could have come up in a better story. But, hey, Christoph Waltz is awesome. We'll see where they take it from here. I like, you know, we didn't mention this, but I kind of like the little wink to the Bond fans about he got that scar down his eye. Yeah. Yeah, That was cool. Clever. I like that. That's just fun. Yeah, he took that explosion. Hard, yeah. Okay, but now I got to complain because it's something else I complained to Jason about on the side. He got hit with the any key. <laughs> I got uh, to complain about James Bond shooting down a helicopter using a Walter PPK from a boat. The helicopter range moving, about three hundred yards. Boat's moving. He's way far away, but somehow he pulled that off. I mean, I love Bond too, but I was like, the odds of that are extremely slim. <laughs> But anyways, I still enjoyed the movie. I've I've been kind of a negative Nancy tonight, but I I do like to watch it. And let's see here. Our friends at the Bond Complex, I'm sure they have some things to say as well. So let's check in with our friends in Canada up at the Bond Complex. I believe that's Matt and Edgar. Ooh. Ooh. Hello, Honor Majesty's Secret Podcast, MI6 Rookie Agents. This is the hosts of the James Bond Complex in Montreal, Canada. I'm Edgar. I'm Matt. Oh, that was very enthusiastic, Matt. I, I feel like singing. Uh, I'm going to sing the next uh, Bond song. If Matt Smith can do it, <laughs> so can I. Ooh, Matt Smith. Nice. Yeah, that's a great plug. So we got your Twitter message. Uh, apologies for not sending in anything for the last couple of films. It's been a little little busy, but uh, we figured, uh, hey, it's the last one before the rookie agents graduate to whatever's happening next on your show. So it's the Spectre Invitation, uh, the most recent film. At least we know we have another one coming up. So, uh, and we've done our Spectre episode that was came out, must have come out about four or five months ago at this point. But uh, we can talk about it again, right, Matt? <laughs> sure. Uh, where do you want to start? Uh, do we start with Mexico? 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 Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's one of the better pre-title sequences of, of you know, the last few uh, Bond films. I think most people agree that the pre-title sequence is arguably the highlight of the movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, a movie that I like on the whole, I, I've, I've always been on record as a Spectre uh, admirer, but it's, as Mark Kermode on, on the BBC would say, it's not without its flaws. <laughs> and, and the flaws are quite prominent, unfortunately. And the more you, you think about them, the more evident that it seems that, you know, there, there were too many cooks. And um, the, 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 basically, the cake is a little bit wet still, and it's it's soft, and it's it's you know <laughs> it's, it's not it's 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 not it's not a finished movie. It's not a finished script. For the you know, I don't understand how come it it's so messy because they had plenty of time to conceive and make that movie, but it is uh, it is a mess, and it's sometimes it's in in. Action sequence that should be dazzling and exciting. You're bored, and in some, some of the plotting, some of the some of the characters are straight out from Austin Powers. Uh, I'm looking at Blofeld. Austin Powers. You mean Bond's brother? 
Yeah, Bond's brother from uh, another father. <laughs> yeah, that that plot point is is quite strange. I remember sitting in in theaters on uh, not opening night. It was obviously opening weekend. That, that's that's for sure. And you know, I, again, I, I, I'll, I'll say it. If I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. I, I do enjoy the movie on the whole, but I remember sitting there on opening weekend when that the moment happens. He's explaining who he is and and what his relationship to Bond is. And I remember thinking, just, I couldn't understand why the movie was doing that. Like, <laughs> why this? Why is the movie doing this specifically? What is this adding to the movie? I just couldn't figure it out. <laughs> I had no idea. We're still trying to figure out years later. I mean, for all the care and credit that went into rebooting the Bond franchise with Casino Royale, they, you know, they, they weren't ready to, to bring back Blofeld. They, they didn't master a take that was exciting and as fresh as uh, Casino Royale is, was, whatever you want to say. Um, it's re- sort of the same thing we've seen before. Uh, and we've seen other franchises do the all-seeing organization that's ruling the world. I mean, the Marvel movies have done it. The Mission Impossible have done it better. And now that you come, you, you give us this. This, this feels, uh, it feels like somebody cosplaying as Blofeld at times. It's just, it's just bizarre. I was, uh, I was not impressed with the characterization. Uh, I mean, I think Christoph Waltz is a bit, is a bit wasted in the role and the, romance between you know when she's what's her name uh Madeline swan tells bond that you know she doesn't care she doesn't love him i believe her when she's she she's saying she's telling him i love you james oh james i'm so afraid i'm like i, I, I don't believe you <laughs> go to hell <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that i believe <laughs> well uh, again so i've been alluding to the fact that i do enjoy the movie uh, despite agreeing with, with, with most of those points you just elaborated on, Matt, I would say, why, well, why, why do I keep saying I like the movie, even though I keep, I keep complaining about it? Uh, it's, you know, no time to die, notwithstanding, because none of us have seen the movie. It's my favorite Daniel Craig performance. You know, you could argue, you know, there's that classic case of, well, what's the best and what's your favorite? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the best is probably Casino Royale, my favorite aspect. There's a little bit more likeness of touch in it. And I'm a Roger guy, so I kind of like that. Uh, despite what a lot of people say, I actually think the movie looks really good. Uh, I feel a lot of fans don't like the way the movie, the movie looks. It has a... Well, that was Jason, our, the third co-host, our third co-host was saying it has like a neoclassical Italian look to it. And I, I, I like it. I, I actually kind of like that. And, um, what else do I like about it? It's a little bit funnier. And I like Mr. Hinks, maybe a little bit underused, but I like Mr. Hinks. I'm a big uh, Dave Batista fan. So yeah, I mean, it's certainly not a great movie. I hope no time to die. We'll pick up the pieces left by Spectre and improve upon them. You know what would be awesome? In next next April, when we all go see No Time to Die, we leave the theater, A, saying, wow, that was a great Bond movie. And B, we say, you know what? Spectre's certainly better. That would be cool. Uh, honestly, I... I hope I hope Carrie Fukunaga didn't think about oh how can I make Spectre better with my movie I hope he didn't go into like I hope he picks up some of the pieces but I hope he he doesn't necessarily uh, hold himself accountable to uh, another filmmaker's vision I mean I hope he he didn't uh, mm. you know uh, 
but you know, in the po- on a positive side, side, I I actually like the opening credits. Although the song I'm not a fan of, but the the visuals, the tentacles, the Good sort point. of uh, inks and the, the 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 eyes you see, the, the, there is some like the cast is amazing. Uh, that's it, every everyone's super well uh, cast. I love the new Miss Moneypenny, the new Q, um, the new M. Everyone's coming like. Uh, into their own with their parts the the roles they're playing and even though i don't like the portrayal of blofeld i kind of like christoph waltz i just wish he wasn't the brother and i wish he was maybe i i don't know they had to come up with something more original that i am i am your brother um, <laughs> yeah. to, me, to me it feels yeah. it feels star warsy it feels and especially the marketing around uh, uh, he's not. Oh, he's, uh, the, the movie's calling Bl- uh, a Spectre, but we didn't bring uh, Blofeld back. But we have this Academy Award-winning actor. He's not playing the villain. He's playing uh, uh, Franz Oberhauser. That was like uh, that, that. That was Ken Khan from Star Trek: The Into Darkness all over again. And uh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. But still, uh, I, it's it's. I'm complaining, but you know it's. Uh, the opening sequence in Mexico is exciting. Monica Bellucci was born to play a Bond girl. Um, oh yeah, I forgot about her. She's great. She's great. She's you know you have all these little great moments that feel under underserved, underused. Mister Inks should be uh, more in the movie. He's great. He ends up being a chump that dies in like his second scene almost. I'm exaggerating, but he should have more. A presence, be more a constant threat, but he's taken care, taken out way too early. So yeah, I'm, uh, I, I am lukewarm, sorry, Spectre, but I, it's, you know, it's, it's gonna be interesting when, whenever we do our sort of tally of uh, the Craig era and sort of yeah. rank them on a scale of best to worst. I don't know if this one or, or quantum might be uh, at the bottom i don't know which one and maybe no time to die maybe no 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 time to or die or no maybe no time to die could be could be i mean historically <laughs> oh, the see. last one is always the worst so maybe craig's going to mm. break that curse but oh, we'll find out in a few months from now so uh, I think that just about covers it. It's uh, it's not it's, it's not our show either. So <laughs> probably want to pass the mic to some other to some other guests. Uh, if anybody who listens to my Honor Majesty's Secret podcast, the MI6 Rookie Agents, or the regular uh, Majesty's Secret podcast show, if they want to check us out at the James Bond Complex, well, we got. To, would you say we have people everywhere? <laughs> I would. Uh, I I wish you. <laughs> I wish somebody was there to just move the mic a little bit closer to me. I would have been better. Oh, yeah, I like I go, Oh, I like what you did there. I like it. Great, great scene, by the way. One of my favorite scenes. Uh, so, yeah, you know, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Anchor. We're the, we are at YouTube, uh, Google Play, iTunes. We're a little bit everywhere. And uh, I have been Edgar. I have been and always will be Matt with two T's from time to time. Excellent. And uh, I guess congratulations on the rookies, uh, Pat and Delvin. You have now graduated. We'll let Jason and Jared give you the accolades. Until next time, merci. Toujours un plaisir. À la prochaine. Au revoir.
Well, there you have it. It's refreshing to see that other people kind of like this film, too. They didn't tear it down. They enjoyed it. Had a lot of the same similar points that uh, that we did. They are spot on with me and their thoughts on it and that they did enjoy it. And I'm glad they did. We definitely appreciate the congratulations to the guys for graduating. Again, they haven't quite graduated yet. They got to do Never Say Never Again. And then they got to go through the final gauntlet i've got some trivia waiting for them there's going to be a pretty giant trivia quiz in their future to determine who the ultimate agent is delvin's pointing at himself we're all winners but no seriously bond complex guys thank you very much for riding along with us on this Mm -hmm. and uh, it's always good to know that we have friends in the great north region so thanks a bunch and we will hopefully uh see you for never say never again never Never say never again. You guys know how we're going to close this out. Rest the agents. Let's do it. Good evening, agents. This is Rick from Junior Mission Control Center, also known as Jeff and Rick Presents. I'm providing this week's field report on the film Spectre from the junior agents stationed in the Pacific Northwest. As usual, I surprised my fellow junior agent Jeff during the recording of our regular podcast, unpacking the power of Power Pack with a pop quiz in the middle of our script. His answers are not prepared. I really think that Jack encapsulated the feeling for exactly what they are seeing with the pithy statement, Holy cow! Yeah, I could not have said that better myself. But can you believe that we soon will get to a new Bond film? (laughs) Pop quiz, buddy! It is time to talk about Spectre, the most recently released Bond film of the time of this recording. Why are you crying? This is like almost the last one of these that we will ever do. I'm, you know, honestly, I'm going to miss these when they're gone. But at the same time, they're painful when they strike. (laughs) Spectre is a cacophony of amazing action, crazy character arcs, and surreal subplots. Bringing back Daniel Craig for his fourth outing as the unflappable British agent, as well as as Ray Fiennes, Naomi Harris, Christopher Waltz, and Dave Bautista. Speaking of Dave Bautista, a professional wrestler turned Hollywood actor, Mm -hmm. who also has played Drax the Destroyer, can you name for me five other actors who have been professional wrestlers and have starred in a major motion picture with the motion picture name, and if you can, the character they played? Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson played the Tooth Fairy. Nice. And he was not pleased about that role, and (laughs) after that, he decided to have a lot more control over the roles that he played. That's one. He's gone on to go and play in such amazing movies as Rampage, (laughs) which was, if you haven't seen it, you don't need to. You really don't. A lot of the stuff he does is, I love Dwayne The Rock Johnson, as does everyone. (laughs) But don't really need to see all his films. Hulk Hogan. Okay. uh, Played, I cannot remember the character's name, but he was a suburban commando. Can you remember any of the roles he played in the names? Oh, man, no. I think he played Hulk Hogan in a Rocky 3. In the Rocky 3, he played Thunderlips. Thunderlips. Oh, wow. All right, I'll give you that one. Okay. What else? Okay, so that's two. Andre the Giant played... Uh, <laughs> come on. Oh, come on, Princess Bride. It was... Oh, he played... Mm, anybody have a peanut? Uh-huh. I'm on the Doom Squad. Yeah. Oh, I just want to say Andre the Giant. Fessick. There you go. Fessick the Giant. All right. What else? You got? There's three. Oh, man. Uh, Triple H was in the lamentable Blade 3 movie playing, I don't know, big guy in a suit who was also a vampire. I could not tell you his name. Okay. It's probably something like 
I don't know. That movie was right. lame. Uh, <laughs> so for, it doesn't sound like you're giving me that one. I'll give you that one. Hey, give, me, give me one more. One more. Who has done a thing in the movies that was a wrestler? And can I draw this time out longer so I can think of some stuff? Did I talk about Dwayne The Rock Johnson already? <laughs> All right. Yeah. I'm going to call it. Yeah. You could have said Roddy Roddy Piper playing Nada oh. in They Live. Oh, or you could have said. I love Roddy. Yeah. Or you could also say. He said, was also in Hell Comes to Frogtown. Yeah. Playing, I don't know, I guess his name was or Hell. You could Sam also Hell. Say, he actually was Sam Hell in Hell Comes to Frogtown. <laughs> you could have, I would have also accepted George the Animal Steel as Tor Johnson in Ed Wood. Not bad, but okay. still. Oh, hey, what are you reaching into your uh, coat pocket for? Is Nothing. that a. Look over there. Is it the bunnies, George? Training as always will continue the field until our junior, aka Rusty Agent, is able to identify and handle any situation. Thank you for accepting our reports. Until next time, Junior Agents signing out. Man, we've been, we've been doing this show for two hours, and we got to give the howly to the bunnies, George. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Rusty agents. What do you got, Pat? Uh, no bunnies were actually harmed during the uh, <laughs> recording of that audio track. No bunnies, but certainly some Jeffs. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, Jeff got harmed. All right, so Jesse the Body Ventura was in Predator. I got one. I ain't got time to bleed. Uh, yeah, Randy Macho Man Savage was... Spider Man. Wrestler in Spider Man. Bonesaw. Yep. Oh, Bonesaw yeah. is ready. John Cena. John Cena's been in a ton mm-hmm. of movies. The Marine. The Marine. Yeah, the yeah. Marine. He was in 12 rounds. He was in some of blockers. Did I mention Dwayne The Rock Johnson? Was <laughs> no, in <yeah>. Moana. <laughs> <laughs> That is true. He, was in he did a voice. You can pretty much name any movie, and Dwayne <laughs> The Rock Johnson has been in it. He does not say no to any script. That will bring us to a close on this episode of MI6 Rookie Agents. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this crew and want to hear more from them, but in the realm of comic books, check out The Long Box Crusade. Pat, where can that be found? Well, Jason, I'm glad you asked. You can find The Long Box Crusade at www.longboxcrusade.com. You can also find us on the Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Long Box Crusade. Back to you, Jared. Well, thanks, Pat. I'm glad you passed it back to me. And thanks to the fellows for taking on yet another dangerous mission. Thanks to the listeners who tuned in. Again, if you'd like to leave a question or a comment on this or any of our other episodes, feel free to contact the show on Twitter at OHMSPod or email us at OHMSPod at Outlook.com. Or you can contact any of us directly on our social media. I am at Yard Sale Artist. That's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. Jason. And I'm at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason Albrecht on Facebook or Instagram. Pat. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Delvin. You can find me on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y 1977. And we hope to hear from you soon. The next episode of MI6 Rookie Agents will feature... Never, 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 never. Jason wrote nothing. We done fools. But we got one more. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I meant from the Eon. Right. We are done with Eon. We will be back with Never Say Never Again special. And then it will be the graduation episode where we will reveal 
what we're going to rebrand the show as in the new year. So lots to look forward to on that. Well, by the time you hear this, it's already the new year, but you know what I mean. And as always, folks, on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, we'll return. Once when I was with Am in Tokyo, we had an interesting experience. Outtakes. Thank you, Miss Money Penny. That's all. That's all. <laughs> I think it's more 18, accurate to say there's a little bit of him in the spy. <laughs> Seventeen. Let that go. All right. Yeah, <laughs> we might want to edit that out. I was funnier in my head. <laughs> <laughs> it's a gun-shaped. <laughs> <laughs> One shot, one kill. Uh, I want that in the outtakes, by the way, with no context. Just gun shaped till boop, next <laughs> Did you get a shirt? Um, you know what? I did I got uh, uh hold on, I know you guys can't see can't see this, but I did get a mask, a day of the dead mask. I, sh- oh, cool. I, I got it right here, I'll show it to you. And ask questions. <laughs> Sorry. And ask oh, did you get a shirt? Oh boy. Dumbass. <laughs> Jason dresses fancy for the podcast. <laughs> Got slacks. Hey, look at him. Belt, button down shirt. He looks like a podcast with upper management potential. <laughs> uh, Jared's nodding. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Jason's looking serious. Pat Pat has a you know somber look on his face. Sleepy. Uh, <laughs> And that's a wrap for this episode of Longbox Crusade Elseworlds. I hope you've enjoyed it, and we'll see you around the alternate dimensions in the future. The music themes for this show are done by musical genius Joe November. Please check out his SoundCloud at josephlin99. That's J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it.